Hello, everybody, and welcome back to season eight of Sequelizers. I am your host, as always, Jack Chambers, and joining me, also as always, it's Matt Stockton. I just want to apologise to Jack's mum and Tim's mum and my mum. I'm I'm sorry to everyone. I was very naive. I am so so sorry for everything that's happened because, in spite of what Jack says now. It is my fault because it was my project and I insisted. I insisted on sequelizers. <laughs> <laughs> that is a tricky little reference there, Matt. I appreciate that. I think some yeah. people will get that straight away and the rest mm. of the audience is like, what the fuck was that? Matt, have a breakdown. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of having breakdowns, we're also joined... By Tim Matum. Let's not call him the captain, you illiterate TV people. It's Matt Stogden. <laughs> brilliant. Oh. That, that's a deep cut, but brilliant. <laughs> now that is a reference almost no one will get until they happen, unless they happen to have watched that film very yeah. recently. Yeah, hardcore, hardcore listeners. So, dear listeners, we're talking about an, a very interesting <laughs> film this week we're talking about a film called book of shadows that's it yep <laughs> yeah i think that doesn't sound like much of a sequel jack it's like yeah i know that's weird isn't it it's almost like it shouldn't be called that at all but we'll get to that and we'll get to this film does it in more does detail it have a book of shadows in, in it jack no nope. <laughs> we'll find out Tim. we'll find we'll find out maybe it does maybe it doesn't we'll just have to find out by listening to the rest of the show. But before we get to that, let's say thank you to our patrons on patreon.com slash sequelizers. If you go to that lovely little website, you can get early access, you can get ad-free episodes, you can get discounts on merch, you get exclusive merch, you get the outtakes, where Matt did a quiz about whether a name is rel relating to a politician <laughs> or a witch, which he called MP or MP. It was a literal okay. witch hunt. <laughs> yeah, there we go. Literal witch hunt. So you can find out whether Tim or I prevailed in which, the literal witch Which of witch us is the, the witch finder general and which yes. is the witch finder lieutenant? <laughs> <laughs> you can get all that lovely extra stuff, including the quizzes and silliness that is the outtakes. It's often sunny of some of the most mad bullshit stuff that we do on this entire show. So. And yeah, you can go to patreon.com slash sequelizers for all that stuff. And if you go to the very highest of the tiers, you could become an executive producer like these fine people have. Some of them have had picks already this season, and this episode itself is actually an executive producer pick. But not quite how you think it might be, and we'll get to that in a moment. But before that, the current executive producers are Jonathan Firth-Clark. Where is he? Mike Salvia. Mike, where are you? I'm right here. Andy Steen. Where are you? Josh Miles. I hear him. I hear him. I hear you. Josh! Xenos. I'm going upstairs. Josh van der Sluis. Come on! Josh! And 
the pick for this episode comes from a former executive producer. Somebody whose name you'll recognize if you're a long-term listener of the show. He's responsible for arguing about Tron Legacy <laughs> and Mad Max Fury Road on the Discord. If you're on our Discord, you know him well. It's Stuart Main. Oh, Stuart nominated this week's film, which is, as I mentioned at the top of the show, called Book of Shadows, for some reason. What it actually is, is Blair Witch 2. <laughs> well, first of all, there's no Book of Shadows in this, except the Book of Shadows is a thing. Yeah. It's, it's, an, oh, actual, yeah. Yeah. Like, it's an actual religious text for Wicca. So it's, like, it's a thing. It's basically like calling the Bible Superman 2. <laughs> it's like, I can, see, I can see where you're coming from, but no. Dianetics, Battlefield Earth 2. Yes. <laughs> ah, there, mm, there we go. Yep. There we go. There we go. So yeah, this film was called Book of Shadows. Colon, Blair Witch 2, for mm. some reason. What a weird choice. What an utterly weird choice. And if you hadn't already guessed, that is the sequel to The Blair Witch Project from 1999. And this is basically a few months later <laughs> in the year 2000. And we yeah. will get to that in more detail about the, uh, the interesting production history of this film. But Tim, you had a theory. I, I have a theory that the reason, the reason it's called Book of Shadows colon Blair Witch 2 is because they retrofitted everything Blair Witchy about it onto it as quickly as possible. And it's another script that someone else wrote for a completely different film. Weirdly enough, I would usually say, Tim, you'd be spot on, except Tim... Not this time. Really? We'll, we'll, we'll get into that. Okay. This, yeah. time, this, this is ground up studio bullshit artisan, you fucking idiots. Wow. Yeah. It is. Because, yeah. It is. because oh man, yeah, we'll get into it. We'll get into it. We'll get to it. We'll get yeah. to So before we get into all that stuff, before we even get into the synopses, do you guys have any uh, particular history with these two films? Yes. And granted, there is a third one called Blair Witch, mm -hmm. which came out in 2016 as well. But let's focus on these two, shall we? So 1999's original, which was a cultural phenomenon and an absolute turning point in like viral marketing through the internet and basically revolutionized how found footage is, you know, is seen in modern cinema and really kind of started that. And we mentioned like paranormal activity in previous like horror themed episodes and all this kind of stuff that, new trend that happened throughout the 2000s and into the 2010s of this supernatural found footage bullshit was kind of re-kicked off. It didn't invent it. You've got stuff like Cannibal Holocaust from the 70s and a few other bits and pieces that really kind of were the first found footage ones. Yes. But in terms of the modern audience in the 90s heading into what now we, you know, in the 21st century in terms of cinema, the Blair Witch Project is responsible for a lot of shit horror films <laughs> that were directly inspired by it. Mm. And I hadn't seen it until I watched it for this for this recording. Basically. Wait, 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 wait! wait. You hadn't seen, seen the Blair Witch Project, correct? Holy I'd shit. seen bits of it, and I'd seen references to it. Obviously, I think I'd seen clips. I'd seen the famous monologue scene that you referenced in your quote at the beginning. Yeah, like, yeah. I'm, I'm sorry mm. to our families. Bit that Hannah does, Heather, not Hannah, Heather, and yeah. I hadn't seen the. I don't think I'd seen it from start to finish. I'd seen the kind sure, of like, sure. oh, here, here's how it ends and all that kind of stuff. But yeah, never watched the whole thing through because I'm not a horror guy. I have no interest in that kind of stuff. 
So yeah, and and I'd also not seen Book of Shadows. <laughs> However, I had seen some of Book of Shadows because I was watching and I was like, is he about to do that? Oh my, yeah, I've, I've fucking seen this before somewhere. I have a feeling I might have seen Book of Shadows when I was much younger mm. and just like completely blanked it from my mind and because it has nothing to do with the Blair Witch, basically. <laughs> Understandable. Not not connected the two and just been like, that's just a teen goth film and wow. I have no idea. That kind of thing. Bear in mind, I'm, what, nine and also nine when these <laughs> films come out because they come out so close together. <laughs> so I would have seen them, you know, bits and pieces as a teenager probably and then, yeah, mm. nothing else. But, but Matt, you, you seem astounded. So what's what's your history with the film? Considering you're a little bit older than me, you were you more of a you were a goth teen right <laughs> look at you <laughs> you've got the leather coats and the, the sure, all that sure. kind of stuff look at you yeah. you pasty bastard <laughs> it's all coming true. from me <laughs> so i do yeah uh i'm surprised because i think this has left such a cultural footprint that it's it's okay here's the truth oh, of the situation yeah. i've had it entirely spoiled for me before i ever saw yeah, it yeah of course like, of course it has a huge, huge cultural footprint to the point where I basically knew it. Because mm. we'll get into this, but not really much, much doesn't really happen in the first one. They just kind of wander around some woods for a bit. Sure. And that's kind of it. And that's basically all the references where it's like, oh, it's a bunch of snotty teens and then some mm. spooky stuff happens <laughs> and it's found footage. Well, see, this, this is my, my disclaimer to start with. Um, just almost to, 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 to justify my reaction, as it were. Um, Anybody who says to you, oh, I haven't seen that. My surprise is not one of disdain. It's not me saying, oh, how can you not see it? You dumb fuck. It's never you that. Isn't. It's, it's always like, oh, I'm genuinely surprised. In the same way that someone says, I've never seen Ghostbusters. Like, really? Because it's so uh, in the public consciousness. It's so watched and loved by many people. You're like, that's surprising. You've been able to sidestep it. In mm. the same way that in a separate conversation between Jack and myself, I said, I've never played a Fallout game. And Jack went, how have you not played a Fallout <laughs> game? And it's not an, a point of aggression. It's See, like, this, I'm back. This is the it. difference. Like I said, video games are my medium. It, yeah. I have played way more like seminal video games than I've probably seen the really, really important like seminal movies sure, in the same sure. way. Whereas you, Mr. Stogden, <laughs> I'm all about the that film, film guy. Yeah, I'm all about that <laughs> All cinema. about that film. So, yeah. Okay. And th th I think that's a big difference to us is like when you were watching as we say on this show, mm. three to five films a week <laughs> for the last 20 years or 15 years or whatever sure, it is. Sure. I've been doing the same thing with video games for the last 24 years. Yeah. I've basically played every Fair. every major Fair. release on most major consoles over the last 24, 23 years, whatever it's been. Yeah. So, yeah. So with regards to Blair Witch, Blair Witch Project, um, very formative for me for multiple reasons that I don't think I give full credit for or really fully appreciate so the Blair Witch came out sorry the Blair Witch Project came out in 1999 and I was going to the cinema a lot I was 15 years old and I was seeing things like The Matrix and various bits and pieces being released in that year it was 99 as we know from a previous I want to say inter-season episode mm. if not patron exclusive episode best year of film 1999 is a fucking fantastic year for movies and the Blair Witch Project was really good for a few reasons for me when I watched it in the ABC cinema in, in Norwich, because I'd only been in Norwich for a year at that point. Um, See, that's old enough that I don't know what that is. Yeah, that's a cinema that's not there anymore. It was a cinema, <laughs> then it was a nightclub, and now it's nothing. Uh, Excellent. But basically, it, it 
it was very like a like a I think maybe about one or two screen cinema, very very small, and uh, it was very interesting because the mark and this has to be said the marketing and PR around this movie is fantastic and phenomenal. We'll get more into it later because half of the audience. And there was actually a poll about this in America, so I probably wouldn't say it's very surprising. Same thing. Yep. Because of it, didn't know if they were watching uh, just some fa- actual found footage, and someone just cobbled together a documentary-style movie about these kids who'd gone missing, and other people thought, "Oh, it's just a horror film." So as the film progressed, and it was like, you know, these can't be actors; they're just talking too realistically. This is weird and dumb and stupid, and it can't be. No, this this can't be fake. This is real. Um, and. By the end of the movie, there was a very, very split reaction from people. And within two or three months, that divide became very much a chasm. And on one side is me thinking that was astoundingly good because it made so many people question whether that was real or not. Now, I was shot out of focus. That's mission accomplished, right? It was shot badly and the acting was ridiculous. Like, no, because people didn't know if it was real. That's good acting, if anything. Mm. It's just it's discordant and we're not what we're used to. And I really enjoyed it. And then the other half was people saying, that was boring. Nothing happened. (laughs) I didn't see the fucking witch. Um, And I really enjoyed it. I saw Book of Shadows, Blair Witch 2, the year later. (laughs) And I fucking hated it. It was everything. It started with Marilyn Manson. I thought that's good, not realizing until later that's bad um, <laughs> and not well made. It, it was. It was originally supposed to be Frank Sinatra. It was. Yes, exactly. Intro. And um, I can't remember. There was a YouTube video that like played the two intros one oh, after the yeah, other, yeah, yeah. and they're like, "Here's how it is a Frank Sinatra." Like, yeah, it gives like a weird, da, weird da, kind of vibe, da, right? Da, that's witchcraft. Yeah. Or like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's witchcraft exactly. Yeah, and then. Here it is of Marilyn Manson. Oh, right. Yeah. You instantly go in thinking, well, this is just one of those 2000s yeah. films full of new metal, I, right? See, I, Whereas the other one is like, oh, this is a clever parody. Oh, they're using mm-hmm. mm, witchcraft by Frank Sinatra. Clever. I, yeah. I wonder if the bits that you recognize, Jack, weren't from like corn videos that were like <laughs> on the soundtrack that then. Seriously. Because yeah. you used to get that a lot where, you know, if it was a. a, a music video associated or a song associated with the film they just stick in random clips from the film into the music yep, video very true 100 i remember a creed music video with some halloween h2o and it was like the fuck is this and then you see like mike myers and think the fuck is this <laughs> um but anyway bloach 2 terrible film hated it very confusing in all the place not because i was and i at the time i thought am i just a dumb kid who doesn't understand movies i'm trying so hard it's like no, this is bad and badly made. We'll get into why it's so confusing yeah. in a moment as well. And then I watched Blair Witch, the third film, which was originally mm. just The Woods. And I thought it's Adam Wingard who did uh, The Guest, which is a really good film. Um, it's one of those th- movies that we parodied em- endlessly, mm. endlessly, which again, better or worse, means you made an impact. Um, so many imitators gave rise to this huge thing. Most importantly, told or signaled in the same way that Kevin Smith's clerks did signal to independent people. You know, you can make a film. Yeah, but I don't have any talent, have any skills. If you've got a fucking idea and something to shoot it on, even if it's a fucking potato, you can, can you make point a, a camera film. thing. Yeah. There's a film. And that in a way, again, inspired me in a, because it, everyone did the imitation, like running through the woods, the fucking night vision stuff. And 
making their own bits and pieces and in the same way that Sam Raimi's Evil Dead inspired people in the same way. So yeah, it, it's been it was a very formative movie for me that just has a really horrible little afterbirthy legacy <laughs> trail of ugh. Tim, Love tell me. us about your ugh. Well, I am like Jack. I had not seen the Blair Witch Project until Tim! watching it for this film. Holy yeah. fuck, guys. I'm very surprised by this. I'm genuinely I'm not, surprised. I'm not a horror guy. I don't, I don't, it's not my thing. I know, man. but this is the thing. I don't feel these films... Well, I, I don't feel The Blair Witch Project is one of those horror films. I think it's like um, kind of like The Lighthouse or The Witch in a weird way. And it's a, <laughs> or The Shining. It's a psychological I, I, horror I've element. I've also not seen two of those films. <laughs> you fucking plum. Um, <laughs> but yeah, um, it, it, it's the most about suspense and people breaking down rather than, you know, mm. hostel style. I'm going to pull your toenails out. Ugh. Kind of shit. I wouldn't describe Hostel as a horror film. <laughs> just a bad film. Interesting. A horrible torture film. Porn. Just like a torture mm. porn bollocks. Yeah. Sure, sure. Yeah. It, it's not scary. It's like, ooh, mm. that's a bit gross. Yeah. So Tim and Jack are coming in this completely fresh. No, yeah, I mean, obviously, you, you cannot avoid the social impact mm. of it, but you don't have that personal connection other than, oh, I get the memes, as it were. Yeah. I, I assume you basically knew what was happening. Because you'd had it essentially spoiled. Yeah, over the last I mean, I the yeah. the, the main memory before watching it that I had of the Blair Witch Project was, I want to say it's Scary Movie two or three, where it yeah. has I think it's Michael Jackson basically giving the, or and Michael Jackson imitator giving the famous yes. monologue at the end and they make a whole point <laughs> as about if people were thinking you meant the real Michael yeah. Jackson <laughs> um, I think it's Scary Movie 3 he came in as the others as well a few other things yeah, yeah. and yeah. they make a whole point about how her nose is running during it and like it's yes. it's yes. just like dripping on the camera or whatever uh, and that that was my like Hilarious. yeah because like you say Matt it was it was to a certain extent it was omnipresent um, but again I was I wasn't a horror kid and very quickly you know faded not to say it's faded into obscurity but it 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 had its moment it really captured that zeitgeist of that 1999 mm-hmm. and like you say it changed the way films are marketed it changed the way that certain films are created but i don't think that it's because it was so raw um it's i don't think it's really entered like the horror canon because it was just mm. this is a this was this was a very clever idea. This was a well executed clever idea, but we're going to take that and now we're going to run with it. And you get things like your paranormal activities and and it's fascinating watching the timeline. Uh, I actually I looked at like the Wikipedia page for like found footage films sure. and it's like one in the like thirties and they were like a hugely like experimental film or something, or maybe like the the the, the 60s or something mm. and then like one in the 70s with like cannibal holocaust and stuff cannibal and then holocaust like is the famous a couple example, in yeah. the 90s and then this and then there's like a steady trickle of them and then paranormal activity hits and suddenly it's just a flood and there have been yeah. so many found footage films in the past decade yeah um, spanning genre because you've got like wreck and obviously the horror but you yeah. also got like cloverfield and things like that and you're like yeah yeah people just like go boom 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 yeah it yeah. was kind of it was kind of um cloverfield and paranormal activity which came out around the mm-hmm. same time and suddenly yeah and then you get things like the, the um, turn of the decade of like the late 2000s early 2010s yeah. isn't it like, which yeah. for people who understand how studios work they try and turn these things around as fast as they can but they still need scripts mm. so what you end up with is 
just get any script for a Cloverfield movie, Matt. We've discovered this. <laughs> it's just you have another script and, and then you, you slap go, the name on it. Yeah, it's Cloverfield. But the first one you need to do. <laughs> but yeah, and you end up you you get stuff like Chronicle, which can be good, or you get yes, stuff yeah. like God, the the just endless stream of found footage. Yeah. Uh, films. all the other paranormal activities up to the sixth one, yes. or however fucking many there are. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. With even, I mean, I, even George Romero did one. Um, mm. with Diary of the Dead. Diary of the Dead. Yeah. Yes, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Ooh. Um, well, we've, we've District Nine is one for fuck's sake. Now I think about it. Uh, again, it's, it, I keep forgetting certain things. Yeah, because they do so well. Yeah. Troll Hunters are a really good one. Mm. Again, Troll Hunters, brilliant. There's lots of really good ones, but the truth is that. There's an old, there's a quote from a film called Margin Call of how to succeed. You're either better, you're first, or you cheat. And in the case of the Blair Witch Project, it wasn't kind of the first, but it was the first in a mm. way. But you can't then keep regurgitating that process for yourself. Other people do the latter. They just cheat and say, right, we'll just do it the same thing as everyone else. We'll just yeah. harvest it. We'll just steal it. Problem solved. And again... It's not just main studios doing it. It's also things like these um, very small independent horror sort of studios. And, and yeah, anyway, the point is, boom, mm. it's still a thing. It's still everywhere. We still have, mm. you know, five or six of these fucking things a year. They're yeah. dwindling, but they still exist. Mm. But I think to, to kind of go, circle back around to my point, I don't think it's, I think there are going to be more people who will say, you know, 1920 who weren't around or who were extremely young when this came out and sure. i think more of them will have seen scream for example than they will have seen the blair witch project i don't think there's a huge push to like go back and re-examine this because of kind of just because of the nature of it like yeah not a lot happens for a long period um and you can you can get that from paranormal activity, uh, et cetera, et cetera. <laughs> um, I think it's a formula that has been to a certain degree refined. And like like we say, some of them do it very well. Some of them do it really sloppily. Um, and the 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 marketing side of Blair Witch is something that was so of the zeitgeist because it mm. it could only have happened at that period. The internet yes. was still it was still Web one uh, and it was it was young enough that there was a critical mass of young people and and cinema goers who could go onto the web go onto the internet and go like is this really real or not and find like the fake websites and the breadcrumbs that they left yeah. that that made you doubt that but not it was it wasn't so everything's always fucking all the time online that you could immediately also go no mm. that's not true um, and and. <laughs> it's on the internet why would someone put it on the internet if it wasn't true yeah that kind of thing yeah um yeah. so and not in a sense of like oh everything on the internet's true for something it's like well why would anyone bother yeah that doesn't seem a way to do yeah like paranormal activity never really tried to fake that it was real in in yeah. in the world in the in you know in the the kind of outside the experience you have in the cinema mm. none of the producers were going like yeah this is real actual footage because they knew mm. that that was impossible by that point you can just you can just google the actors and be like oh look there's yeah still alive. oh look yeah, they yeah. were in a disney channel original movie like <laughs> six months before <laughs> I, was, I was gonna this. say i was like heather donahue's mum getting tons of calls saying i'm sorry your daughter's missing and stuff i was like okay yeah because they created wanted posters were essentially the posters around festivals. film festivals yeah. very smart but 
Yeah. Yeah. And then all three of the main cast use their real names as their character names. Mm-hmm. So Heather, Mike, and Josh are mm-hmm. played by three actors called Heather, Mike, and Josh. Mm-hmm. So it's like missing Heather, Mike, and Josh. Yeah. And like, oh God. Yeah, that's her and, real face and, and her real name. I believe <laughs> they agreed that for the first year on like the, the primitive early version of IMDB that there was, they would mm-hmm. like they would literally be listed as like missing presumed deceased kind of thing um like it didn't even (laughs) it didn't even properly link to like oh this person's an actor it was just like no this is these are the people who are in the film it's it's the prestige in order to 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 sell the trick you have to sell the trick yeah certainly so let's get into the first one again not much happens but i will go fairly detailed i won't give you every every rock and bundle of sticks but they're the same one jack we passed the same one (laughs) exactly we open in october 1994 film students as i mentioned heather mike and josh set out to produce a documentary about the fabled blair witch they traveled to burkittsville maryland that is the correct way to pronounce it not maryland (laughs) as many fellow brits have pronounced it over the years Mm. And interview residents about the legend. The locals tell them of Rustin Parr, a hermit who lived in the woods and kidnapped seven children in the 1940s. The legend goes that Parr would kill one while making the other child stand in the corner of the room. Students explore the woods nearby and meet two fishermen, real weird creepy fishermen, (laughs) who warn them that the woods are haunted. Basically everyone is a creepy bumpkin in this also, by the way, (laughs) listeners. And another thing, some of those people are real people, and some of them are actors. And Heather, Josh, and Mike weren't told who was who and who was real, and they're just they're just legit reacting, talking to them yeah. and yeah, reacting for real. And loads of the script is just non-existent, mm. and they would just drop off a script outside their tent in the night, and the producers would make all the creepy noises and stuff. We'll get to the creepy noises, yeah. but yeah, <laughs> it, it's mad. The production of this is absolutely insane. Uh. One of the fishermen tells them of a young girl called Robin Weaver who went missing in 1888 and she returned three days later. She talked about an old woman whose feet never touched the ground. The students hiked to Coffin Rock where five men in the 19th century were found ritualistically murdered and their bodies disappeared. Lots of spooky stuff being set up by the locals. blah 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 They camp for the night and the next day find an old cemetery with piles of rocks known as, what are they called, Matthew? Cairns. Ah, thank you. That's an in-joke between me and Matt and my partner because she can't pronounce that word. I've said it many times. <laughs> One of which is knocked over by Josh. That night, they hear the sound of twigs snapping and the following day, they try to hike back to the car but can't find it and have to camp again, experiencing similar spooky noises in the night. Again, apparently it was just the producers and the director just like freaking them out and waking yeah. weird noises Running in the around night, in for the real. Woods. Yep. Just running around in the woods and, and building cairns in, in the night. Acting. Yeah, that's what you do. Acting. Exactly. When they wake up, they find three freshly built cairns around their tent. Again, legit built by the producers in the <laughs> night, apparently. Tensions rise as Mike has apparently lost the map, and the other two get frustrated and attack him. They decide to head south using Mike's compass and discover humanoid stick figures suspended from the trees which if you've ever seen any branding for Blair Witch, mm. is the logo, which mm. is the thing, which is very much more featured as the series goes on. Yeah. They again hear strange sounds that night, including some spooky cackling, 
which was apparently played on a boombox. <laughs> As a boom director box. just did a John Cusack and just held a boombox up <laughs> and played it like half a mile into the woods. Oh my God, gosh. Can you hear that? It's Peter Gabriel. He's come for us. <laughs> oh God, nothing. You fear nothing more in the woods than a, a prowling Peter Gabriel. Than a former member of Genesis. John Cusack's just lurking <laughs> with his things like, oh God. <laughs> Their tent shakes and they flee in panic and hide in the woods. When they return to camp in the morning, they find their possessions have been rifled through. And the weirdest bit for me, <laughs> the camera equipment is covered in slime. <laughs> slime. Like fucking, like fucking Ghostbusters. The, the 90s fucking loved their slime, man. Flob is what it was. Just flobbing. It's, it's, the, it, it's, the, it's like the gunge and all the 90s kids mm. can't do like yep. competition game show things. Uh, they hike again and realise they've walked in a circle, as you mentioned earlier, Matt. We've been here before. Josh starts breaking down and disappears in the morning. Heather and Mike try in vain to find him before proceeding. And that night they hear Josh's screams, but are unable to locate him. Mike and Heather theorise that his screams are a fabrication by the witch to draw them out into the wild. The next day, Heather discovers a bundle of sticks tied with fabric from Josh's shirt. Inside, she finds blood, teeth and hair. And interestingly, this little bundle has been rumoured by loads of different people to be like, oh, it's, it's got his, his calf tongue in it and all this crazy shit. Um, and the director, Eduardo Sanchez, one of the directors, Eduardo Sanchez, came out and was like, yeah, it's, it's not. We went and got some teeth from a local dentist. Yeah. And ri literally ripped off a bit of his shirt and like, I think it's like cow's blood or something and just filled yeah, it with yeah, cow's blood. Yeah. It's his real hair, his real shirt and some real human teeth. So it's still pretty creepy. Yeah. But it doesn't contain any tongues or anything <laughs> no, insane. No. That's people buying into the lore of what this is. Yeah, it really is. Yeah, it's like oh, if you turn the brightness up, you can see the tongue at the bottom <laughs> beneath all the blood. Heather starts freaking out as you would, and she chooses not to tell Mike about what she found, not to freak him out. That night, she records the infamous monologue: "The I'm sorry to our parents <laughs> and our families. It's all my fault." <laughs> the snotty, uh, up the, straight up the nose shot. Yep. And she's basically feeling responsible for what's happened to Josh. They eventually hear and follow Josh's screams to an abandoned house containing occult symbols and children's handprints covering the walls. They go to the basement where an unseen force attacks Mike, causing him to drop his camera. This is perhaps the most famous scene in the whole movie. Heather hears this and chases Mike into the basement, but her camera captures Mike standing in the corner. Ah, referencing mm. what they mentioned earlier. Facing the wall. Something attacks Heather off camera, causing her to drop her camera, and the footage cuts to black. Infamous ending. Again, kind of nothing happens. They wander around the woods for a bit and some spooky stuff happens. But it's iconic for a reason. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so, Good luck. Yeah. Before I get into the synopsis of Book of Shadows, Blair Witch 2. This is one of the we most weirdly edited films I think we've ever discussed on this show. And that's saying something. It's broken! <laughs> it's fundamentally broken. And as Matt talked about, and as we'll get into a second, basically everything that isn't the spooky stuff, so all the gore and the sex and the weird stuff that we're gonna, I'm about to talk about, is added extra post-footage, like Snyder Cut style. <laughs> And just shot completely differently and just chucked in to add more gore and sex and more appeal and all that kind of bullshit. So 
good luck following along, listeners, <laughs> because, yeah, it's a mess. Five years after the events of the original film, so we're now in 1999, mm-hmm. tourists and fans of the Blair Witch Project, yeah, it's a film in this universe, <laughs> for some reason, descend on the small town, same again, Burkittsville, Maryland, where the film was set previously. Local resident Jeff, a former psychiatric patient, an obsessive fan, and it just cuts to him just being in, in like padded walls and just Bouncing he's around. running around it's, in a straitjacket for no it's reason. It's him in the video for Basket Case by Green Day. It's like yeah, that. It's literally literally is, video, yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's it's that like level of cartoonish presentation of what an asylum yeah. looks like. Yeah. You mentioned that half this stuff looks like music videos, Tim. You are spot on. <laughs> All the weirdly edited, tacked on bollocks is just like clips from 90s music videos yeah. that just feel incredibly out of place. Mm-hmm. This is one of those things. He gathers a group to tour locations featured in the original Blair Witch Project. Among the group are graduate student Stephen and his pregnant wife Tristan, pregnant wife, and his pregnant girlfriend Tristan, who are researching mythology and the effects of mass hysteria. And we'll get onto that in a moment because that is key to what the original film was supposed to be. Erica the Wiccan daughter of a minister, and Kim, a goth psychic. Because that's a bunch of teen characters (laughs) in a movie in the year 2000. You're welcome. Mm. They camp for the night in the ruins of Rustin Parr's house, that's the serial killer from the 40s in the first one, where Jeff has placed surveillance cameras because Jeff's a fucking weirdo, hoping to capture supernatural occurrences. Jeff becomes unnerved when he notices a large tree located in the centre of the house's foundation, claiming it wasn't there before. That night, another tour group arrives to camp at the ruins, but are misdirected by the group to Coffin Rock, which we also mentioned previously, because there were murders back then as well. So all the little spooky locations coming together. After getting drunk and high all night, they wake up to find Stephen and Tristan's research documents shredded and strewn through the woods, and the cameras destroyed. Tristan suffers a miscarriage. I briefly mention this here, but this is like the most traumatic scene of the whole film by a country mile. Mm. And then it's kind of just not addressed later on. Yeah. <laughs> uh, all the blood and gore in this film that the studio pushed, pushed, and the artist was like, more, more, more. So we're going to show her crotch briefly come in blood. Not that too far, too far, too far. It's like, no, no. Okay. We, we want blood as in like fun blood. We don't want like yeah. actual pe- people actually deal with this shit kind of blood. Yeah, no, not, not no, no, realistic. No, no. It's like, okay. Not realistic blood. Yeah, yeah. sorry. Yeah. And they rush Tristan to Burkittsville Hospital. In the hospital room, she has a vision of a girl walking backwards down the hallway. It's creepy. After she's discharged, the group retreat to Jeff's home which is like a giant warehouse, again, <laughs> yeah. from a new metal music video for some reason. <laughs> it's just like, And this is the bit where I went, I recognise that warehouse. I have definitely seen this bit before. <laughs> I've seen bits of this before. Because it just like, it felt like it, it was out of like The Crow 2 yeah. or something, you know what I mean? It feels like you've <laughs> fallen asleep watching MTV2 in 2003. <laughs> <laughs> Jack was a character in this movie. He just didn't realise. Yeah, I've exactly. seen this before. Yeah, you I was set. there. I was, I was, I was edited out for some reason. <laughs> Studio couldn't handle me. Too young. Yeah, <laughs> I would have been nine. So yeah, yeah perfect age <laughs> for getting in the corner to get murdered. While Tristan rests, the group review Jeff's tapes, which uncover an image of Erica circling around a tree, being all weird and dancey, and also she's naked. Distraught, Erica claims she has no memory of that happening, 
and goes to pray in another room. When Kim tries to console her, Eric reveals symbolic markings all over her body and proclaims the group have been marked for death. Symbolic markings. Symbolic markings. Symbolic markings. Covered in like occult symbols and stuff. Yes, yes, sorry. Kim borrows Jeff's van to go pick up some coffee and alcohol. And at the store in town, she gets into an argument with the cashier. Whilst driving away, she swerves to avoid a group of children on the road and crashes the van into a tree, denting the fender. When she exits the van, the children are nowhere to be seen. Spooky. Later, Kim finds a bloody nail file stuck among the bottles of beer she's purchased. Spooky. (laughs) The following morning, Jeff looks outside and sees the front of his van has been completely wrecked, not just a little dent. But Kim insists the accident was minor. The group realise Erica has disappeared entirely and call her father at his office. When his secretary answers, they confirm that he has no children. Spooky. <laughs> I mean, this is also just the drug scene in fucking Wolf of Wall Street. Yeah. I it drove is. the car it home and no accidents. Cut around, it's like covered yeah. in fucking yeah. smoke and dents. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, Tristan's disposition grows increasingly bizarre. The county sheriff calls Jeff, informing him that the other tour group was found disemboweled on Coffin Rock. Oh my God. And thinks their group is responsible. Later, while searching through a drawer, Kim finds a set of surveillance footage on the group and confronts Jeff about it. He denies any knowledge and following the fight, the group discovers Erica's corpse in a closet. In a really terribly... where they open the cupboard (laughs) and it looks crap. Tristan begins chanting about widow shins and speaking backwards. The They say reverse, but it's reversed. And oh, isn't that clever? And this leads Kim to suggest they play <laughs> Jeff's tape in S or reverse, <laughs> as she says. Upon doing so, they find the footage shows the high and drunken group descending into an occult ritual and orgy led by Tristan, culminating in the murder of the other tour group at Coffin Rock. When they confront Tristan, she alternately pleads and goads them like she's weirdly possessed and creepy. Jeff, convinced Tristan is possessed by the Blair Witch, begins filming the confrontation, attempting to elicit a confession in Erica's death. Three follow Tristan to the second floor, where she ties a rope around her neck and taunts Stephen, daring him to push her. In a fit of rage, he pushes her over the balcony and kills her. Now, it sounds like this is a mess of a film listeners. Just you wait for this last bit. <laughs> Later, Jeff, Stephen and Kim are arrested and interrogated by police. Okay, yeah, checks out. Each claim that a possessed Tristan was responsible. Their accounts are contradicted by various pieces of video footage. Security cameras capturing Kim murdering the store cashier in the pharmacy with a nail file. Jeff's home wanted to show him nude hiding Erica's body in the closet for some reason. And the footage Jeff filmed during Tristan's confrontation showing her pleading for her life as they accuse her of being a witch, ending in Stephen pushing her off to her death. What the fuck is the ending of this movie? (laughs) And then the final thing we see is people come and mourn the other group that were murdered at Coffin Rock. What the fuck? (laughs) So, so there's lots of uh, books of shadows in there. <laughs> yeah. Video of shadows. Good lord, what a mess! Yeah. So, should I, we talk? Should we talk about the production history, Matt? Because you and I have t- so. hinted at this earlier. 
and the fact that basically all of the really gory stuff, the twist at the end, and all the sexy orgy bollocks was added basically in post-production by the studio. Yeah. Because the original plan from from the team who were who would written this and um let me get the names up. Um written by Joe Berlinger, the, the director, mm. and he came up with the idea of like, let's analyze because the Blair Witch project was such a cultural phenomenon, let's analyze that as how that influences the youth of America and how people will see mm. this film and th- and like be whipped up into a frenzy of like, oh my God, isn't this the craziest horror film you've ever seen? Those people actually died. We just watched a snuff film. Can you believe it? Holy shit. All this kind of stuff. And how it would influence young people and how it would kind of drive them to maybe do copycat things or go out and wandering in the woods themselves and all this kind of mm. bullshit. Which again is that very was the original kind of premise. Bold take. Yeah. Interesting, might have worked, might not have worked, but it's it's a genuinely interesting concept. Considering how bad this film is, I think there is a decent one in there somewhere. And if they just not edited the fuck out of it and <laughs> added all the extra bullshit, it might actually be watchable. Mm. I'm not saying it's a worthy successor, but I'm saying it's a far more watchable yeah. experience. And considering Scream had already laid the groundwork for, you can really do a lot of self-analysis to the horror community because let's face it scream 2 especially and scream 1 obviously mm. is and fuck it 3 and 4 are all about what happens when people watch too many horror films mm. and take it mm. really seriously that's pretty much the whole fucking shtick and the blows project 2 was supposed to be that kind of thing that kind of analysis Say the name matthew that's not what it's called <laughs> no nope, that's what I'm calling it for now and it keeps it keeps <laughs> it keeps kayfabe essentially because mm, yes. they've they've said that this this original footage that the whole marketing push was like oh it's no it's real so if you're going to make a sequel you have to kind of address you either have to give it long enough that you don't have to address that but if you're going to want to if you're going to strike while the iron's hot you need to essentially say you can't you can't contradict that you can't just have another slickly produced horror film that that kind of follows all the follows all the standard tropes and and acts like the first film doesn't exist essentially yeah entirely j- j- quick quick small thing if people are scratching their heads for some people uh some listeners kayfabe is an industry term uh wrestling industry term. it means yeah. keeping character it's professional wrestling yeah. yeah it means staying in character no matter what so as, as tim said the Blair Witch Project. So as I said already, it's a very distinct cinematic experience. And I, I should point this out. And this is something that, I don't, that you two would have had a different experience. With. Watching this in a cinema is very different to mm. watching it at home. To watch it in 1999 in a cinema, very, very, very different. But mm. even now, you can still watch I it I watched cinema. it on my phone in 2021. <laughs> <laughs> See, that's prime example. Considerably less spooky. Yeah, yeah. But if you're in a cinema on your own, it can be very, very unnerving in a weird way there's, um, there's a reason that all the marketing for paranormal activity was that fucking uh night vision footage yes, of people in the yes. cinemas reacting to the to the scares exactly, because yeah. it is that it's the communal oh, yeah. experience of it precisely and you freak yourselves out and it's obviously the Blurge project is a very aged movie it has aged in multiple ways um Nobody at this point thinks the Blair Witch Project is real. Everyone goes in with the understanding of what the Blair Witch Project is. Um, I, I 
cannot separate in my head some of the parodies, uh, <laughs> specifically Odekirk's, uh, Steve Odekirk's The Blair Thumb, which the, the, <laughs> I, I still have a quote now where it's in my head, which is, um, they're saying, oh, we should head back to the tent. Yeah, let's go back to the tent. Nothing will penetrate the nylon. Um, <laughs> and even now I'm like, yeah, nylon. I was, I was like, looking at tent thing, ah, oh, that'd be good protection from what? Fucking sharks? Fuck you. Um, so yes, it's very much had its impact. Book of Shadows is so weird because it's a genuinely good premise and the perfect example of a classic sequelizer's experience, director versus studio vision that is challenging for audiences versus just crack out another one of these fucks um and it's it's very frustrating because it's a it's a tug of war between satirical comedy and straight horror and neither wins so what you end up with is just a bloody mess on the floor um that does make sense it, it, it's supposed to be believe it or not um there is a play by luigi Pirin, pirandello um called six characters in search of an author and the main six characters are supposed to be those archetypes. And it's an embodiment of that play. So it's not just that these... And they originally were going to have them actually have their real names, but they said, nah, we're not doing that. So it's like, oh, okay. So again, separating themselves from, is this real, is it not? Uh, the line in one of the trailers was, why are we here? What, I'm here for this reason. And one said, I just like the movie. Mm. Um, and again, as, as a sort of uh, satirical look at how we absorb this stuff and the and the hype around it and the fact that even when it was said oh this is just a, it's a film these are the actors people still said mm, no and as a projection for 2021 where you can be shown so much evidence of what is true and what is not people still say eh, i still think siren head is real uh, <laughs> hillary pizzagate and you're like oh god there's so much shit mm. that has fed into it and that was just tapping into something but in a very early naive sense so with this thing, with the violent reshoots shot in the fucking director's fucking back garden, it, it's a very ugly film. It's a very much a mess of a film. Mm. Um, I, I think that the thing is, the more you learn about this movie, and this, this is something I, I think people would immediately do. They'll listen to this thing, and if they've seen it or not, they'll think, it's probably shit, and dismiss it. The, the more I will tell you, the more interesting it will seem, and the more frustrated you will probably end up getting that you didn't get an actual good, really complex and layered film. Yeah, because I think I think there's a lot of room in the premise and the original mm. thing, and even the twist at the end, like I, the the idea that they've like got themselves whipped up into this frenzy and they've lost touch with reality. Lost and, time during hallucination. Yeah yeah. yeah, yeah. I don't think there's anything necessarily wrong with that, but it is pre it is presented in such a slapdash way. It is so poorly edited it is it looks it is an ugly looking film it looks like it was it, <laughs> like budget wise it, and it and it's that thing of the original Blair Witch Project made a blessing of its nothing budget and this would yeah. have had so much more money and it looks so much worse because it's trying to be a polished film rather than a found footage film um, and and it looks so cheap. It looks it looks like an episode of Charmed. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And yeah. it looks like a two thousands new metal music yeah. video. We've mm. said it yeah. already. Like uh, it, it looks like it has the budget of a fucking music and video. And the, the performances are terrible pretty much throughout. 
yeah, no, I think uniformly terrible. And from yeah, actors yeah. who have done good stuff elsewhere, a couple of them, like Jeffrey sure. Donovan, who's the main guy, is in uh, Burn Notice, and he's he's perfectly fine in that. The only problem is, is he's basically fucking pound store Ryan Reynolds, um, <laughs> and that energy yep. does not work in these films. You need yeah. you need this very like earnest energy to this thing because you've got to believe these things are happening to these people, and he has this like ironic detachment that does not suit the film at all. Um, and everybody else is just fucking terrible. Uh, it has none of the naturalism of of the uh, the original film, which, like we say, yeah. is like yeah. heavily improvised, and you know a lot of it was kind of shot in this way that the the actors didn't actually know what was going on. Like, yeah, well, problematic for their careers because people said, "Oh, you can't act." It's like, no. The acting's so good, you think they're not actors. Yeah. That's how, and I, I know it sounds really unfair, because people say, oh, it's shit acting. It's like, that acting is fantastic, because it feels, in the way that, when people say, like, um, uh, films like End of Watch, for example, where, the, the David Ayer film, which is like, this conversations, normal conversations, how people talk, is disjointed, and, I mean, obviously, we have a conversation between us to do the podcast. That's still not a normal conversation. Mm. Conversations are fractured. People jump in all the place. You lose your track of what you're talking about. But it's not, it's not good when you're watching a film. You get really good versions of that. Like Tarantino is very famous for his dialogue and that kind of thing. Mm. You know, they become more realistic, but they're still structured in a way that is pleasing and goes to an actual point. Whereas because of the nature of the improv, because of the, uh, the nature of how Blair Witch Project was shot, it feels, for lack of a better word, real. Mm. Whereas Book of Shadows, you can tell there's a script here. It's just not very good. Yeah. Yeah. To go back to comparing budgets and box offices and all that kind of stuff, as we like to do on this show. The original Blair Witch is estimated around two hundred dollars to $500,000. Not even a million dollars. It made nearly $250 million at the box office. Now you know why there was a sequel. As, as we said, yeah, it was a cultural phenomenon. It made loads of money. Surprise, surprise, they're going to churn out a It still holds, like, it's still in, like, the top five in yeah, terms definitely. of like the amount of profit it made compared to yeah. how much money it, it cost it, them. Like the, we talked about this a little while ago, and I can't remember what we were talking about, but it was like comparing the percentage of what percentage profit. So it's like mm. it made 1,800% mm. of its budget and all this kind of stuff, like all these crazy numbers we were talking about a little while ago. Yeah. Uh, c compared to the Book of Shadows, which has a far more normal, for a better phrase, budget of fifteen one mm -hmm. five million dollars but made $47 million. <laughs> I was mm. like, it probably made its money back ish, mm. ish. But, you know, it's eight, It's literally 18 months after the first one. Yeah. And that kind of says it all, I feel. <laughs> Just so you know some actual statistics here. Uh, the top five um, most profitable movies based on return of investment. Um, number one is Mad Max, the original Mad Max. Two is facing the giants. Nice. Three is paranormal activity, obviously not enough. Mm. Four is El Mariachi, and number five is the Blair Witch Project, followed by Halloween. So, I mean, horror. It just it, mm. and that kind of horror, low budget, horror, horror, and yeah. a couple of other bits. And people pay a lot of money for that shit when they want to watch it. Um, yeah. So, Surprise, Prime is not on that list, but yeah, Prime is huge in the cult hit community, but didn't make that much. Yeah. Not with yeah. the if, if, for example, <laughs> yeah. if I say the Blair Witch Project, people know what I'm talking about. If I say Prime, they'll say what. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So, Blair Witch Project Two, um, as, as I'm going to call it, not for now, what it's called, Matthew. 
Nope. <laughs> Book of nope. Shadows, colon, Thank Blair you. Witch 2. Fuck Thank me. you. Um, we need to talk about the secret of S. River. Um, <laughs> um, oh, so, God, it's so stupid. There, there is so much complexity and layering, as I said before, in this movie. And with a very clever movie that would be enjoyable, you go back and go, holy fuck, that is deep and amazing. And you get these so many bits and pieces you really enjoy. So, and, and, and it's not just small stuff, it's meticulous things. It's the kind of stuff where you like, hang on, let me just, let me watch that back. You wouldn't notice in the cinema, you'd want to remember on, on did DVD. I, did you see that? Yeah. Did I see that? And it's things like... What was that? Elements being involved. It's things like the, the sort of, the stick man witch symbols in cracks and glass in the background and the walls and the shadows it's names on gr- tombstones changing it's a whole fucking puzzle that if you solve it says the sentence seek me no further or the children will walk free it's the kind of deep i mean like during one of like the scenes where she's like smoking around a campfire or something mm. like that the word seek can be seen it's, it's very in the smoke yes like, yeah. and the and the thing is if anyone gave a shit about this movie, <laughs> that would be America. Because the thing is, it, it, that would be so cool, be so cool if anyone gave it, a shit. It was the prime time to do that because this was the this was the time when the Matrix came out and people yeah. people got so into these kind of ARG like oh like is it actually real like let's spend hours like pouring over the footage and stuff like that. Lost did that a lot as well. Yes, yeah, yeah. With the Dharma, whatever it was, yeah. initiative. Um, and the aforementioned Cloverfield as well. Yes, and yeah, like true. could have could have had this really interesting like that. Oh yeah, like you know maybe it it goes on to become a cult hit because people slowly unpick like yeah, all this yeah. stuff out of it. But the problem is, it's like there's all these interesting like little bits of like webbed cleverness, but they're they're it's it's like a like a uh sort of like a cheese where it's like got the the, the marbling through it or whatever and oh, you're like yeah, oh yeah. like that's a really interesting <laughs> little thread and like if you follow that like the thing is is oh like the name changes on the gravestone and that's one of the words that you use to like oh that's that's really clever but then you take a step back and you go like oh this isn't cheese it's a big lump of shit and i've just been <laughs> focusing on these little details that make it look interesting <laughs> But the this is in Stilton. It's poo. <laughs> <laughs> Spells the same. Um, you're entirely correct. It, it, it's it's genuinely the sense of someone has hung a very clever Caravaggio fake in their own house, where it's a painting Caravaggio painting, but it's your face on it. But you can't see that because there's a man dancing naked in front of you, and he won't stop, <laughs> and you just want to get out. And the whole point about these ARG things and the nature of all this layering is, it's fine. It's really cool. But it requires you to watch the film more than once. Yeah. And very few people want to watch this film more than once. And, and at the end of the day, only 2% of people are going to spend the time to uncover all that interesting stuff. Mm-hmm. And if you don't have a film that is worthwhile to start with, then it doesn't matter. Because 98% yeah. of people are never going to experience that. And the 2% who do are going to go, oh, that was kind of interesting. Shame about the actual film. Yeah. I think the whole point was it took you to a website or you typed in a <clears throat> typed in a phrase on the website and you were like, well done, you're one of the very few people who've managed to do this and blah, blah, blah. But again, nothing. Um, very briefly, have you guys seen the third slash remake reboot Blair Witch 2016? 
Yes, I have. I, I have not. It's a weird one, and it's it's worth addressing because I feel like 2016's Blair Witch is what you would have got in 2001 or 2002 if the studio waited a little bit. And I'm not saying that necessarily is a good thing. Adam Wingard, as I say, the guest, and his his recent uh, Godzilla vs. King Kong, it's pretty good. So he's, sorry, Godzilla vs. Kong. It's pretty good. And he also did Death Note. It's not good. He we did Death Note. Not good. <laughs> but he's, he's, he's quite an interesting director to, to a degree. And him doing this film called The Woods was like, oh, okay, that's going to be cool. And then there's like a you know, rug pull at the last minute. Actually, it's Blair Witch 3. It's called Blair Witch. It's like, holy fuck. That was a big thing. It basically does the Force Awakens reboot, the sort of soft reboot where it we really do does, exactly yeah. the same thing again. So you can go, oh shit, I really like the Blair Witch Project, but it does it with so much more gasoline, so much more heightened. Um, so this time you see the witch. I fucking hope you this a time, lot. I know, big gangly fucking space alien looking <laughs> motherfucker <laughs> yeah. just hanging out. And it's exactly yeah, what I would yeah, expect. Yeah. Disappointing. So when I was a kid, um, late teens, I, I would have like a collection of like McFarlane figures and they did things like, you know, Snake Plissken. It was like so much cool stuff and, and Ash from Evil Dead. And they did one for the Blair Witch Project. I was like, what? I don't see the witch in that. It's this ridiculous uh, toothy fucking skeleton-y witch lady. You're like, oh, that's kind of generic. I'm glad that wasn't in the movie. Apparently there was supposed to be a Blair Witch in the Blair Witch Project. At one point, they're like, oh my God, what the fuck is that? The camera's supposed to turn left and it would have just seen on the top of the hill um, I think it was one of the cast a woman members. in like a white robe. In a white robe, yeah. in a white sheet or something like that. It's like, oh, so I'm glad mm. they did. They, they just forgot because they were running through the woods. Um, so I'm glad they didn't do that. But Blair Witch basically addresses all the complaints and concerns and issues of the Blair Witch Project and somehow doesn't really meet any of them. So for example, people say, it's boring, it's in the woods, nothing happens. A fuck ton of stuff happens now. People break <laughs> their necks and all sorts of shit happens. It's like, oh my God, horror, uh, found footage shit. Um, and on top of that, she becomes this sort of powerhouse. The witch is like really fucking strong and hench and an evil immortal force, you know. Um, they're like, oh, this is just stuff in the woods. And they snap it. And one point it snaps another like a voodoo doll sort of transference. Like, and they just crumpled on the floor. So it's like quite um, a strange, you know, a weird occurrence kind of thing. And then on top of that, you know, but then you see the witch as, as, as Jack mentioned, she's this gangly, it was snarling. Um, and it's good to be fair to Wingard. It's quite compelling at the end. The last half an hour is actually pretty good. It's quite intense. Um, they go in the house from the first yeah. one. Everything's the same. Interviews, all, all the, woods, house. All the, yeah, all, yeah, it's basically a remake of the first yeah. one in a way. But it has like... Has time sorry, travel. <laughs> has time dilation <laughs> shit. And you're like... It has what? time dilation. Yeah. It does a sort of hypercube. Uh, for Cube 2, uh, for <laughs> horror fans. And um, and also like, later sequelizers, hopefully. Um, yes, the idea that at one point these characters come out like, oh, they've been gone for like, I don't know, 10, 15 minutes, whatever it's supposed to be. Like, they think they've been gone for days. It's not, it's never night. It's always, sorry, never day time. It's always nighttime. Ad addressing a problem that nobody actually needed addressing, classic sequel problem. Um, classic follow-up issue. Like, what, you didn't need to worry about that. Nobody gets... Classic prequel problem. Damn right. Classic film yeah. problem in general. Yeah. yeah, and it's like, well, how comes it is suddenly nighttime really quickly? You know, they're walking for days in, in daylight. It's like, because the witch controls time. <laughs> what? Also, it's always, it's the thing about the Blair Witch Project I found 
confusing at the time. Like, who's the witch again? Um, because it talks about Rustin Parr. You're like, who's mm. that? That's just a man. Wait, the witch is a woman or a man? Yeah. It's like, well, no, the man is because the witch told him to do it. It's like, wait, so the so there's two of them. No, no, there's no, no, no. There's there's the guy who killed these kids in the forties. Yeah, because it was a witch from the eighteen hundreds. Are like, right? Called like Ellie Keldwell or something, something like, like that. Yeah. Keldman, yeah. something mm -hmm. like that. I did have it. Member of Parliament at some point. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Um, interestingly enough, to add on to the Blair Witch lore, I have also watched and briefly played mm. the Blair Witch game, game as yeah. well. It's <laughs> all right. Which is. <sighs> is it though, Matthew? I've heard it's all right. I haven't is played it, it. I don't fucking know. You tell me. It play. It looks good. Okay. But in, in again, I'm not going to go on too much of a tangent here. Sure, sure, sure. We're going to be running long if I go too into the video game side of things. But it, it's a weird like story of a former army guy turned cop who is dealing with PTSD, and he might have killed some children, but he has to deal with the fact that he accidentally killed a woman in the Middle East while he was a serving uh, member of the the armed forces sure. and it's like is he crazy or is he possessed by the witch who knows that sounds like a silent and hill game the... <laughs> yeah i'm gonna spoil the blair witch game from two years ago <laughs> oh so no beware here folks oh, no. i know um you're running away so ellis is the main character you're... the dog is the best bit there's a dog <laughs> great called called bullet great name fucking hell um, but you're running away from this character called the Carver, who is like he keeps leaving these little like voodoo doll type things carved from wood, and he's this super creepy woodsman type dude who is probably the killer or like a reincarnation of or possessed by the witch or whatever. Turns out it's a time loop, and the Carver is Ellis, and oh, Ellis is the Carver, okay. and he's gone mental or has he gone mental? Sure. Blah 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 blah. And it's him carving like a woman in a hijab because that's who he shot yeah, yeah, when he yeah. was, that's who he killed. But, right. Then he Sounds kills fine. himself. Oh, he, okay. They kill each other at the end. In one, and there, there are literal monsters that you can't point your flashlight at. <laughs> that sounds like a Lone in the Dark game. So it's like, okay, so that, is he mental? Or is this part of the Blair Witch law? Because it's basically nothing to do with the Blair Witch. You could just have him be a PTSD guy. It's not a good interpretation of PTSD and mental health. Of course I'm not, not endorsing yeah. it, but I'm saying, why do both? It's weird. Branding! And he's simultaneously like, that's it. It's literally, well, I guess it's Blair Witch because that's a thing people have heard of. Like, oh, fuck off. Yeah. Okay, fine. Yeah. And that's your lot, basically. And it's like, okay, weird. It's a, it's a it's a very strange thing because I think the Blair Witch Project specifically the 1999 film was such a a magnesium flash in the pan. It wasn't just this big bright spark. It was really fucking bright and really fucking brief. Um, the cultural footprint is huge. The impact is huge. The way it sort of shifted the industry has been huge. But like with the video game, for example, the brand itself. Yeah, that sort of like stick man image in the woods, that's creepy. Um, 
it's not just a thing that applies to America. Woods are fucking creepy everywhere you go. Um, <laughs> and um, it's and the list of Matt's fears. Uh, and whales, etc. Yeah. And it's just the idea that, considering how big horror can get when you get like nine or ten fucking Saw films and nine or ten fucking um, Halloween films, all these various bits and pieces, like Blair Witch has three over, you know, effectively 20 years. And you're like, huh, that's kind of fascinating. And I feel it's weird because it has the old horror structure, the classic horror structure, I point out, like the gothic horror structure. Um, from like Frankenstein and Dracula and Call of Cthulhu, which is like, ah, oh. I mean, as a child, for example, I, I was like, oh, I'm going to read Dracula. I'm such a cool, awesome nine-year-old. And then you're like, <laughs> oh, wait, I don't understand. It's just diaries and letters. I don't get it. Where's the story? Start? Where does the book start? And it's like, this is the book. It's in the form of like this guy. I was like, oh, and that's just very confusing. And the same thing with this film. I think sometimes the Blow Witch Project exists best when it's like, not necessarily just found footage. I think, I think you can do lots of interesting stuff without that. but it tapped into something very familiar to us as as people who either as massive horror fans or on the fringe horror fans, people who are aware of that sort of stuff because there's something scarier about something being recorded from people who didn't come back. That sort of classic explorer's mm. tale of going to the Arctic and they didn't make it back. Why didn't they make it back? Well, let me watch this footage of, you know, the thing, <laughs> basically. <laughs> The Norwegians and the thing. Are you ready for a hot take? Oh, fuck me, yes. Okay. Huge cult, huge but brief cultural footprint transformed the way that films were uh, made for a short period. Uh, nobody really wants a sequel. Blair Witch is the avatar of horror. Oh, that is a mic drop moment right there, Tim. <laughs> That's incredibly bold. I can see aspects of that being true, certainly, because <laughs> the Blair Witch Project wasn't made by someone who shaped the industry multiple times, yeah, <laughs> and then insisted on making five more of them. Um, these these guys just kind of uh, well, we'll see, we'll see. Yeah, I I get what you mean though, Tim. I I definitely get what you're saying. Although, I don't know if I agree, Tim. I usually go along with this. <laughs> but I don't know if I agree because Avatar hasn't got the huge cultural footprint because people still can't name two characters in that movie. <laughs> can you name two characters from the Blair Witch Project? I mean, I can because I'm me. But yeah. <laughs> most people and, can't. And I can yeah. because the witch I've, re I've and read Blair. The, I wrote the synopsis. <laughs> Blair from fucking The Thing. <laughs> Fisherman 1 and Fisherman 2. <laughs> Tell her what you saw. No, oh, that's Blair Thumb again. Shit. The <sighs> kids came back. And they'd switch their heads and their bodies. They switched them up, but they end up the same. But we knew they'd been all switched up. And it's like, what? <laughs> <laughs> That's kind of the level of weird. Uh -huh. like, so, so basically nothing happened. Yeah, but it was still creepy. Right. Just like Blair Witch. Yeah, it's a creepy film. Before we get to fixing and Rotten Tomatoes, and maybe you listeners have been out there staring at a camcorder screen while you're venturing out in the woods, maybe you're getting some digital eye strain. Who knows? I know I do from my adventures in the woods, staring <laughs> into the back of a camcorder. Baxter Blue Glasses could be the glasses for you. They are not your average frames, and these blue lens filter 80% 
highest energy blue light, eliminating 99% of glare. As you can probably tell, we're all been glued to our screens over the last 18 months or so since the pandemic kind of kicked off. Whether you're watching found footage or watching movies or you work with a computer like I do day in and day out, multiple monitors and screens and all that kind of stuff. Blue light is not good for you. It affects the way you sleep, the way you, you know, the way you're blinking, it dries out your eyes. And whether you're, you know, doing it every day, all day, every day, staring at a screen kind of like I am, I guess you guys are kind of similar as well. All day, every yes. day, whether it's a phone screen or a laptop screen or a monitor or whatever TV. it is. I don't spend an hour of my day where I'm not looking at some kind of illuminated screen. The only time I'm not looking at a screen is when my eyelids have shut because I'm asleep. There you go. And that's because I, I haven't been able to put a screen there yet. Yeah. Well, <laughs> when we can get them like digitally installed into our eyelids. Yeah, the and do that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Something that just catches me up on podcasts I've fallen behind on or something. Oh, amazing. Not only do Baxter Blue Glasses help filter out the blue light, they are also a force for good and provide a pair of reading glasses for someone in need for every pair sold. This is eyewear built for our digital age, and Baxter Blue is giving our listeners 10% off their next purchase of blue light, sleep, or kids' glasses. Click on the link in the show notes for your exclusive discount. This is the sign you've been waiting for to invest in blue light glasses. We know you'll love Baxter's. We know that you will feel the difference. So before we get to hearing how Jack has fixed this movie. Hey, that's me. Yeah. We should probably talk about some Rotten Tomatoes. Very simple this week. Three different guesses, three different films. We are obviously going to be talking about The Blair Witch Project, The Witch, and The Witches of East Wing. No, um, <laughs> Book of Shadows, Blair Witch 2, and Blair Witch. Please, 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 filmmakers, stop calling your fucking films the name of the first film and saying, that's clever. I feel like that's Halloween. come over it's, from video games. It's really Ooh. a trend in the last like decade or so where you just get bullshit. Yeah, Doom came out in 2016. You're like, no, Doom came out in the 80s. What the fuck yeah. are you talking about? <laughs> like, it's, it's very much the idea that there is no legacy. There is only the brand. Mm. And it's like, oh, I heard the good things about, you know, this film, insert name here, from like 1973. It's like, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, we've remade a sequel to it. Oh, great. What's it called? The same thing. So you'll accidentally see this new one. Oh, great. Because there, there was a huge trend of just one word titles. Yes. And then it would also be basically the same thing. So you've got like John Rambo, Rocky Balboa. It's like, so is Rocky Balboa the first one? <laughs> and then the sixth one is Rocky? I'm like, well, that would make more sense that you get fewer information once you're more familiar with the characters. Like, no, 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 no. The sixth one is Rocky Balboa. And then and then Creed, and you're like, okay, sure. Which Creed? Is it the Creed? I don't know. I, I um, wouldn't be surprised if I say, oh, we finally got around to doing a Godfather 4. What are you going to call it? Godfather. What? 100%. Godfather Part 4? No. Godfather. No, what about no, the Matrix yep. 4? It's Matrix. Now it's, now it's going to be called Corleone. Oh, fucking, that sounds about right. That's Corleone. Absolutely. Rise of Corleone. Yeah. Yeah. Rise, Rise of the of Godfather. Michael. Mm. Fuck that shit. Yes. So exactly. we've got some rotten tomatoes for you, gentlemen. Any guesses on the Blair Witch Project, please? 1999. I would think it would be high because of the cultural impact, but sure. a lot of people don't like it because of its found footage bullshit. True. 
I don't know, it received mixed reviews at the time because I saw I was aware of that from my bit of research and stuff. Mm. So I'm guessing it's somewhere in the middle. Okay. Would be my my initial guess. I'm going to go 63, please, Matthew. I've locked that in for you, Jack. Tim, what about you? I'm going to go higher because I think mm. film critics, it would have been seen as a bit of a breath of fresh air. Like, I, admittedly, like like Fuck we said, critics, Cannibal, yeah, of course it is. Cannibal Holocaust <laughs> and stuff like that had mm. done it had done the trick before but i think i think people would have seen it as something different and critics are less likely to go oh, i was bored throughout the thing nothing happened um i don't know we've read some pretty uh, i mean we, there are reviews. some shitty critics out there but yeah um <laughs> some dickheads true but i the think right i think you came for all your you accurate <laughs> son of a bitch <laughs> i think audience score is going to be Probably about where Jack said, but mm. I think critic score. I'm going to say like seventy seventy five. No, I I think I just accidentally picked the <laughs> the crowd <laughs> the audience score. Okay. Um. Right. Next one up is going to be Blair Witch Two, also known as Book of Shadows. Blair Witch Two, also known as the Blair Witch Project Two. This film is bad. It's Fuck really right. bad. It's terrible. Uh. It's incom prehensible uh it's poorly acted decent poster i, I even that i didn't like it, oh, it might be 13 face. ghosts face, uh, that's true face and wood i like it yeah i what think this is going to be a real drop off mm. i'm gonna i i mm, because i don't know how you can watch this film and go yeah this was good <laughs> that was great uh, my favorite film i think i it don't think it's every a, episode people like think, every single time i don't think it's a goose egg but I'm gonna have we had one this season this far? We haven't, have we? No, no, no we're no. not. No, could this be I'm, our first? I'm gonna take it down to like eight percent. Because I think wow. this is real. It's just so shoddy. It's it's mm, crap. Okay, Jack. I'm gonna do the thing I usually do, which is fiddle, do the 50%. numbers rather than yeah, fifty percent less. Thirteen, please. Thirteen. Okay. And finally, the remake, sequel, whatever the fuck you want to call it, soft rebooty thing. Uh, do the same again, Force Awakens style. Blair Witch, twenty sixteen. Jack, you've you've actually seen this one, so I think you should yeah. you should you should this make the true. first stab. True. Somewhere in the middle, because it's kind of your bog standard horror movie. Mm. I wouldn't be surprised if this is in the sixties or seventies, is what I'm thinking. So I'm gonna go. I'll go straight seventy, please. <laughs> straight in the middle, seventy. Okay. <laughs> Uh, I think that's probably too high. No, 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 no. Again, nostalgia can play an interesting part of this. You say, like, mm. you know, it's 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 the game we play is an interesting one because it's really tricky to gauge and defies all logic either fucking way. Based on knowing pretty much nothing about this film, mm. uh, I'm gonna say forty-eight percent. Okay, I'm going to do a quick tabulation for you, ladies and gentlemen. One second, please. Beep, boop, 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 boop. This. You haven't fucked it, Jack. <laughs> but Just... you did You did lose. Okay. Let me walk you through it, boys. The Blair Witch Project, Jack said 63, Tim said 75. Both your motherfuckers were off on both counts. 
So it's like, oh, maybe I'm getting a bit more close it's gonna to It's going to be the... real fucking high, isn't it? I'm worried yeah. now. Critics really fucking liked it. Oh, um, wow. Okay. Critics are very much like me going, I still really like this movie. I still recommend this movie. I still re watch this movie as my sort of Halloween film festival every couple of years. And I still go, that's great. I really enjoyed that. And a nostalgia mm. trip. And fans, people who bother to review these things on, on Rotten Tomatoes mm. in the user section, very much divided. Mm. Right. Rotten Tomatoes score 86%. Ooh. Christ. Audience nice. rating... 56%. Yeah. <laughs> it's, a, it's a stark uh, yep, contrast. Yep, I, I forgot we were doing critics for a brief <laughs> second there. And was just like, oh, it's really divisive. Oh, no, wait, people like wank. <laughs> uh, it's an art piece because it's got found footage. Like, mm. <laughs> it's, it's more of a mood piece. It's an experience. Yeah. A moment in the zeitgeist of cinema. Right. Okay. Book of Shadows, Blair Witch 2, 2000. Um, Jack's at 13. Tim's at 8. 14%. Jack almost, almost completely nailed it. Um, and 14 is too generous. Um, <laughs> so that's, that's a 72% drop. It is huge. That's big. Yes. Yeah. And again, it's that's, because everyone that's who the... likes the original about Blair Witch went, this isn't the same fucking thing. That's the biggest we've had in a while. That is, to be fair. It's pretty fucking stark. Uh, incidentally, just as a little additional here, the audience score is a, a little more forgiving at 18%. Mm -hmm. Very few fans of this. Uh, and by the way, 18% is based on 50,000 reviews. Uh, sorry, 50,000 plus reviews. So, god damn. And finally, the remake slash reboot slash third part Blair Witch 2016 Jack's at 70 Tim said 48 now if I had to guess based on my experience with this movie and watching the end I was talking about my wife with this oddly enough um, the last 15-20 minutes of this film maybe last third quite compelling Wingard does a good job with it actually it's quite yeah. intense um, and then I said to my wife, how, how, how do you think this would do in that kind of situation? She said, oh, I don't know. I mean, yeah, I can imagine being quite, you know, and she would, just what you guys just mentioned, nostalgia, people bring it back. Oh, it's come back again. It's a thing I'm familiar with. Wingard's a, you know, he's an interesting director to, to a degree. And then you're like, yeah, but did you know this film existed before I told you about it? And has anyone talked about it in the five years since? And she said, no. I said, yeah, there's a reason for that. Um... The critics' score is 38%. Wow. Well and done, the Tim. Audience score is 31%. Wow. Nobody liked this movie. <laughs> Which I'm Apart a little from surprised Matt, by. I don't think of. it's anywhere near yeah. that bad. I, yeah, I think it genuinely is fine. I, I'd say the, if it's like 50, 63%, like, like 63, like you mentioned at the start, I'd just go, yeah, fair enough. I can see that working. But. Mm. It's 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 competently made, like you said. Yeah, ninety percent of it is basically the first one, but with drone shots because they take <laughs> a drone with them into the woods, and I'm like, look, we have cameras on drones now. How exciting! Mm. Filming then, in yeah, high once def. The, once yes. the witch stuff happens, it's genuinely quite creepy. But I can see a lot of people not liking the fact that it kind of undermines the whole tension and creepiness of the first one, in that. 
you never see the witch. Is there a witch? We don't know. Ooh, yeah. it's all spooky. Whereas this is just like, here's a bloody witch. <laughs> she's just got my she's just running about and doing what she can't she's, fit in her own house. <laughs> yeah, she's creeping about the house, like ducking around and being all. Um, there's lots yeah. of visuals going on this, and I apologize. You can probably <laughs> hear in my voice as I'm wiggling about in front of the camera. <laughs> but yeah, I can see it kind of like, oh, here's the here's the witch just in plain view. So that's way less scary than sneaky witch off in the in the background. Somewhere. Yeah, it's it's the Hitchcockian mindset of what you don't see is more terrifying than what you do see, mm. which was underwritten by the exorcist existing. Um, <laughs> here's a win- just a very very quite uh, a small segue before we get to the actual pitch itself. Did either of you see the Evil Dead remake from 2013? Yes, I haven't. I've had it on my list of stuff to watch for a long while. Um, yeah, because I thought it looked interesting yeah i've seen it i think it's okay i think it's perfectly it's fine, fine. Yeah. it's the yeah. same thing i would regard this blair witch thing it's like yeah it's all right does things in places it's not it's nowhere near the original mm-hmm. if i had told you the the rotten tomato percentage score for that film and said it was for blair witch remake it would have made sense the mm. audience score and the tomato monitor are the exact same at 63 percent now if you said that for the blair witch project remake i would have said well, yes yeah, makes complete mm. sense people like it people didn't like it whatever I am I am befuddled by that. Mm, but again, the Blair Witch is, is, as we sort of mentioned earlier, it's as much an albatross around your neck as it is a sort of like, mm-hmm. oh, that could mm. be quite good. Even with like the video game, for example. Yeah. So, so yeah. Interesting, interesting numbers. Opinion is almost unanimous that Book of Shadows, colon, piece Blair Witch shit. 2, is a piece of shit. Yeah. Good. So, Jack. So I can't do worse, but there is pressure, I feel. Please rescue us. So, my turn. I said I'm not much of a horror guy, but I'm going to pull out some some 2000s, some 90s horror vibes and see what I can do with a bit of Blair Witch 2. We're in the year 2004. Smart. I had an idea, and this is the one I didn't go with. Oh, okay. To go, as I always do, I tend to have two fairly strong which one of these am I going to follow and actually write properly kind of thing. Mm. The one I didn't follow would be a later one. I originally planned for 2009, do a 10-year anniversary kind of vibe, good marketing, blah, 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 all Mm -hmm. ties in together nicely, Mm -hmm. all that kind of stuff, which actually, in a sneaky way, ties into my sequel. But Mm. my plan was, who is a really good horror director I think would work for this kind of stuff that's actually done quite good horror films that I have actually seen in the 2000s and they just missed out on it because it's a bit of a push for them to get this film but it could have worked my thinking was mike flanagan who directed absentia oculus hush uh dr sleep gerald's game bunch of horror stuff Mm. over the last basic like 12 years uh, haunting on hill house spot on yep he is he he's, is he's the a good director ha- yeah. he is the haunting of hill house and haunting of bly manor mm-hmm. guy if you've seen those netflix series does good horror stuff basically mm-hmm. however he was doing student films and short films until he did absentia in 2011 yeah so i was like i can push it back a couple of years but it feels like i'm just forcing it and his schedule is pretty tight mm-hmm. he does a film every couple of years and mm. until a couple of years ago, basically. And they went off and did the Netflix things. Yep. And I was like, ah, I feel like I'm wrangling a bit too much here. I'm pushing my luck. I won't touch Mike Flanagan. Instead, 
weirdly enough, it's somebody who came up in conversation fairly recently mm-hmm. with 2004 and in a weird kind of way, Matthew mm-hmm. Stockton. Oh. Ties back to your goosebumps pitch. <laughs> okay, interesting, interesting. Where's Craven? Very interesting. <laughs> um, okay, no, let, me, let, me, let me rephrase myself. Um, insanely logical. Like, great, yes. horror guy. But at the same time, bold. Because as we mentioned before, but with the idea that George Romero doing Diary of the Dead, I don't know how you're going to present this film, but it's the idea of coming into a different franchise rather than making their own franchise. Yes. That's interesting. Yeah. That's interesting. Bear in mind, his previous film before this, if I'm releasing this in 2004, is Scream 3 in the yeah. year 2000. Mm. Yeah. So there's a big gap there. He then goes on to do Cursed and Red Eye in 2005, the following year. I don't care about either of those movies. No. They can scrap and they can stay, whatever. But you know him as the Scream guy. At this point, most people in this kind of mm. era, he has done all three of the Scream movies. Yeah. So, yeah. <sighs> Where's Craven? 2004. Title, The Legend of the Blair Witch. Good. No Book of, no book of Shadows. Yeah. No, no, no. Good. Like it. As is often the case with mine, I'm not married to that title. I had a few different ideas. Doesn't hugely matter, but kind of thematically makes sense. No, I have no, I have no problem with that. So that's good. Returning cast: some of the bumpkins. <laughs> Great, that's your lot. Love it. Tim's deal breaker. <laughs> Christopher Lambert. What the fuck? Christopher Lambert as oh. Luigi. As I'm out. as <laughs> Fisherman Three. <laughs> Hello, my friends. Would you like to come to my house? There let was me a tell woman you a st- whose let feet me tell you a story. never touched the ground. He <laughs> went Arnold Schwarzenegger for a second. She was covered in a fine fur. That's <laughs> very Hurt. strange. Long hair. Van Hertzog would be good. Just get him being there, creepy in German. Go stand in the corner. <laughs> Her feet never touched the ground. I'm a very scary German fisherman. <laughs> for some reason. In Burkett's film, Maryland. Maryland. <laughs> he would definitely say Maryland. Yeah, he would say Maryland. <laughs> anyway, it's yes. 2004. Yes, it is. Get ready for some late 90s slash early 2000s fucking casting. Fucking armor. Because I have gone, I've gone for it in terms okay, of okay. That, that era of people. I'm primed. Kicking it off, playing the character of April mm-hmm. is Ali Larter. <laughs> Brilliant. Most famous at this point for Final Destination 1 and 2. Yeah, yeah. And much to Tim's chagrin, will go on to be in the Resident Evil franchise later <laughs> on. Also Heroes, a bunch of other stuff. Yes. But yes, the horror, you'll notice there's a connection of, they've done horror stuff before in mine. So mm. there you go. Uh, yeah, Final Destination 1 and 2, she's been in those. Legally point. Blonde. That too, yep. Imagine get that in there. So yeah, you know, for this horror episode, who's in this movie? Put some fucking respect on your name. Legally blonde, <laughs> the, great, the greatest horror movie. Legally blonde. Um, it's about the horrors of the patriarchy. <laughs> touche, sir. Touche. Um, next up, playing the character of Sean is Mister Seth Green. Known from you are just, just no, you wait. No, I, I, I'm not necessarily wait. complaining. I, I like this. It's interesting. It's interesting. Uh, you may know Seth Green from Buffy the Vampire Slayer at this point, and also he's Scott Evil in the Austin Powers franchise. Mm. 
He later goes on to do uh, Chris in Family Guy, the voice of Chris. He does Robot Chicken, a bunch of other stuff. You probably know Seth Green. If you don't, you'll be like, oh, it's him. He's also Howard the Duck in the MCUs. <laughs> because reasons. But that isn't for another like 15 years. So we'll worry about that yeah. later. More classic 2000s. Playing the character of Marty is Matthew Lillard. Oh, oh my God. You are going, love some Lillard. Love, I love some Lillard. He is a huge D&D nerd and works with like Beadle and Grimm and the people who do like deluxe D&D box sets and stuff. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. He's great. He's hilarious. Um, I really like Matthew Lillard. Back then, he was actually in films and stuff rather than just promoting Dungeons and Dragons <laughs> stuff. Um, you probably know him from Hackers. You probably know him from Scream. Oh, there's mm-hmm. the West Craven. Mm-hmm. Com- uh, and also, he's fucking Shaggy and Scooby Doo. Because yeah, that him. came out a couple <laughs> of years ago. And I didn't realize this until I looked this up. He has voiced Shaggy in the cartoon ever since. Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. And he he has been Shaggy for like 20 years. And I was like, that never really occurred to me. Yeah, because Casey Kasem obviously passed away. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, well... Yeah, that totally makes sense. You've got the live action Shaggy to do the cartoon voice. That never really occurred to me. It's like, yeah, sure. Mm-hmm. And you can just do that voice basically forever. <laughs> yeah, cool. Mm-hmm. Um, next up, I've, I've broken my, my golden rule. I've cast a wrestler. <laughs> How's that breaking your golden rule? Because the rule was you guys cast wrestlers and I don't cast a wrestler. This was the, the running joke that for like a whole season you were like, DDP is in my film. It's true. It's like, it's true. What? It's true. It's true. And then you were like, Nao- WWE's Naomi is in my film. I'm like, what the fuck? I cast okay, a big okay. show previously for the record. I did have Paul White in a movie. I was going to say. <laughs> yeah, I know, so I know. Who, who have you added? Who have you added? David Arquette. Fuck off. <laughs> I got you, motherfucker. WCW gotcha. heavyweight Former champion. WCW world heavyweight champion. Also known for Scream, Ready yes, to course, Rumble, yeah. Eight Legged Freaks, etc. etc. I like our cat. He's good in Ravenous. That's a hard film, so. Yeah, he mm. can be good in stuff sometimes. Yeah. And then also he has a bit of a mental breakdown and goes through a weird wrestling <laughs> phase. We all do. As discussed on uh, the. Was it what, we, what, what we've watched recently for patrons? I believe so, yeah. I discussed I so. my, yeah. uh, the, uh, the viewing experience if you cannot kill David Arquette, which mm, is an yeah, interesting yeah. documentary about that man's life over the last decade or so. Mm-hmm. I recommend it if you're interested, because he's in this movie playing a guy called Randy, because <laughs> it's, Randy. The, it's the 2000s, you know, whatever. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I get it. And rounding out my relatively small cast, obviously, as always, there's bits and pieces going on, unnamed extras and, like I said, bumpkins and stuff going on in the background. Mm. Rounding out the cast, playing a character called Vanessa, is Jada Pinkett Smith. Mm. Another extremely early 2000s. 2000s name, yes. Yeah. Yep. yeah. I'm, I'm hot not... off the Matrix. Hot off the Matrix was Sequels. Naomi. <laughs> uh, yes, obviously. Um, Ali as well is another good example around that mm-hmm, similar sort mm-hmm. of time. Um, yeah, Jada Pinkett Smith rounding yeah. out the cast. Some big names, big names. Because that's the thing mm-hmm. with the Blair Witch Project. What tends to happen is, no, fuck that. What has happened? It kills your it, career. <laughs> <laughs> what has happened thus far is bringing unknowns. Yes, I'm very interested that you haven't. Not that 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 does sound like what a studio would do. It's either get me more unknowns or we're into the sequel territory now. Get me the big stuff, which kind of 
think about it, chapter one and two. Mm. In terms of yeah. who they brought in, in terms of the kid actors. Oh, who knows who the fucking kids are? That launched their careers uh, for a lot of them. Yes, the and kid from like, Stranger Things and that other one. <laughs> precisely. And then you got the adult ads. You're like, holy shit, there's some big names. It's like, yeah, because we now know it's been a success enough to, to yeah. draft these individuals. Interesting. Very interesting. So, I wonder mm-hmm. that we've had some some controversy and opinions about each other's pitches this season. I wonder if this is my one that you guys don't like. I'm intrigued. Intrigued. And there's only one way to find out. We delve into the swan song, Stuart Main's final executive producer pick. I have titled The Legend of the Blair Witch. I've done a silly, like, I think it's called <laughs> Creepster, the font on Google Docs. <laughs> it is like the spooky font for the title yeah. after the opening scene. It took me, you, you, it took me back a bit. It's like... What's You're this? welcome. It's like the Revenge of the Creature. <laughs> it is, yeah. It is the classic like fifties yeah. horror movie, yeah. B movie type thing. Yeah. yeah. I assume that wouldn't be in your film. <laughs> uh, guaranteed. Uh, playing Marilyn Manson over the top of it. Jesus. <laughs> anyway, let's get into it. We open in the office of Channel Six News based in Baltimore, Maryland. April, a reporter, and Sean, a writer and cameraman are at their desks discussing their next big breaking news story. Right, stop. You picked up on a reference already. If you're about to bring the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles oh. into this... <laughs> that is the reference I'm making. Okay, fucking hell. But, but no, I'm not. That is, would be incredible. Is Ali um, Lotta wearing a yellow jumpsuit throughout the whole thing? <laughs> yes, she is. A reporter called April. I can't not just immediately go... Sorry, She's I, a yeah. reporter from Channel 6 News, which yeah. is ding, the ding, same ding, as ding, April ding. O'Neil. Yeah. Okay, okay. Yeah. I'm ready, I'm ready. It's a reference. Yeah. Don't worry. <laughs> There, I, pr- I promise you right now, I'm sorry to disappoint you, Stuart, but you picked this. As far as I know, I don't know what's in those woods, but as far as I know, there are no Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles on screen in my movie. <laughs> Maybe it's playing on in the background somewhere. Dun, 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 dun. What is that? What is that in the woods? <laughs> what do you hear outside the tent? Dun, 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 dun. A big fucking candy. mutated warthog comes <laughs> out of the woods. <laughs> With their big gangly limbs and their giant <laughs> shells. Sorry. Carry anyway. on. <laughs> Their boss, Vanessa, calls them into our office and tells them they'll be working on a huge, in quotation marks, news mm. story. The pair look excited until she begins to explain the story and the fact that they will be co-working with the local news team. Finally, she hands them a copy of the Burkittsville Bulletin, featuring the now-famous Wanted-style front page of Heather, Mike and Josh from the first film, with the headline, Ten Years Later. Where are they? And what happened? So. The fact that I said a 10-year anniversary, yes, I can fiddle the timeline here because the previous film it comes out in 1999 but is set in 1994. Yeah, that yeah. tracks. That's all fine, yeah. This, yeah. Is, yeah. this is coming out in 2004 and is set in 2004. So yeah, yeah five yeah. years have passed. Mm-hmm. Ten years have passed in the timeline. Yeah, to- totally that, makes that sense. That reads entirely, yeah. Bumpkins are basically ageless, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> it still looks like it's the mid eighties. <laughs> in exactly. terms of like we're in the middle of nowhere in America. And we've uh, gone from like nineteen forty five to nineteen fifty five, mm. so we'll be fine. Yep. And the title card, The Legend of the Blair Witch in big spooky font. <laughs> <laughs> April and Sean load their equipment into the Channel Six news van and begin With the, the giant hours on the top, obviously. I would I would hope so. <laughs> <laughs> dun, 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 dun. <laughs> and they begin the hour's drive west 
Sean is simultaneously reading the newspaper and a map to April as she drives, both complaining about the assignment. They arrive at the Burkittsville Breaking News office, in inverted commas, which is nothing more than a shack with a handmade sign and look for their local counterparts. With no sign of them, they begin to interview some of the locals. The locals are Here's where where returning bumpkins come in. Of course. Yep. The locals are, unsurprisingly, incredibly superstitious and contradicting each other. The last two locals they talk to are particularly passionate about conspiracy theories. April and Sean ask where the local news team is, and the pair dig into their pockets, revealing their ID cards and themselves as Marty and Randy, the Burkittsville breaking news boys. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Matt Lillard and David Arquette, boy detectives. (laughs) (laughs) Right, right. Even yeah, it would be like, like 30 where are you boys, like, man? <laughs> Stoner fucking, yeah. 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 Pretty much. The group venture out into the woods, filming with their cameras and following what Marty and Randy believe to be the trail of the trio from the first film. The local, the local duo have tried to explore the woods before over the years, but with little success. The group finds a few items that look like clues, an old campfire, a torn piece of fabric, etc but the city reporters remain sceptical and dismiss their claims. After trekking for several hours, April and Sean suggest they turn back to the town before it gets too dark, as they haven't bought any overnight supplies with them. They start to realise that they're lost, and they begin to hear noises in the distance. The boys start to panic, just as they stumble back and find the Channel 6 news van they had parked earlier. So you think, oh, it's all going a bit Blair Witch. And then the silly fucking stoners are like, oh, there's the van. Everything's fine. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) That night in a crappy motel, April and Sean are worried that this whole story has been made up by locals and they're being sent on a wild goose chase. Sean wakes up from a Wendigo-esque nightmare prowling in the woods with stick Mm. figures hanging in the trees above. It does actually get a bit spooky for a second. Yeah. In the morning, he describes his nightmare to April, who teases him for trying to fit in with the locals a bit too easily. When they meet up later that morning, April makes a joke about the nightmare to Marty and Randy, but they're genuinely scared by it. The group ventures out once again, slightly more prepared than they were yesterday. The woods appear to have changed and shifted since their last hike. They find piles of rocks. Cairns, if you will. (laughs) Cairns, if you will, yes. And Sean spots the stick figures in the trees, despite no one else being able to see them. That's fucking weird. Time seems to move strangely and darkness descends much quicker than it did before. The group decides to camp for the night to get some night shots. They set up camp as best as they can in the darkness before exploring more using the flashlights and the low light vision on their cameras to navigate. The spookiness has significantly increased compared to the previous night. That's basically like director's note from Jack. Yeah. <laughs> it's a lot more spooky now. <laughs> check check your spooky meter. It's reading it's an exactly. 8.6. Yeah. The, the visuals the are the same, but the sound is fucking creepy. <laughs> exactly, exactly. All spooks are sound. You know when we say like, cool action scene happens here. Like, yeah. spooky stuff. Mm-hmm. Imagine the atmosphere. <laughs> you haven't shit yourself yet, but you feel a rumbling. Maybe you will. Did you drink too many coffees? Maybe you'll shit yourself. <laughs> the group hear growling and twig snapping with shadows moving between the trees in the distance just off camera. Marty trips over a pile of rocks, hurting his ankle and cutting his hand. Jesus, my fucking idiot. Never disturb the rocks. Never. He tries to stand but falls, cursing his brother Mike for why he's out there. 
Randy reveals to the group that Marty's brother was part of the original trio, and that's why Marty is so obsessed with the Blair Witch and the search for the missing persons. Randy helps his friend to his feet, and they head back to camp. We didn't mention the, the tie-in to Blair Witch. Yeah, the part 20, of the um, 2016. 2016 one is that it's, it's Heather's brother, isn't it? Yes, it's Heather, mm. Heather's brother that goes searching out for them. Interesting. As I often do, I've taken a little bit from here, Nothing a little bit that. from there, <laughs> smushed it all up together, made something mostly original. Mm. Oh, yeah. Like a chef. Yeah, sure. All the ingredients in there are just... Made another big pile of, as, some, as Tim uh, described, blue cheese that's actually shit. <laughs> yeah, some bicarbonate of soda, a little <laughs> bit of uh, this wholemeal flour, and this rat turd. <laughs> <laughs> Why did you have the rat turd, Jack? So I knew which kind of film it was. Uh, you know, they're out in the woods, Blair Witch, you never know what's going to happen. Could be rat poo <laughs> everywhere. <laughs> Returning to what they thought was their camp, they find the ground scored and marked with bizarre symbols and no sign of their tents or camping equipment. Instead, they find pieces of blood-stained fabric which Marty thinks he recognises as his brother's. It's that kind of red shirt jacket thing that, that Mike is wearing at the end mm -hmm. of the first one. Yeah. The typical plaid kind of thing. Yeah, of American dude out in the woods. April and Sean brush it off as probably one of theirs, but Marty and Randy are convinced. April and Sean offer to gather some wood to start a fire and help build a small semblance of shelter since their tents are completely gone. Randy is scared, but Marty says he's feeling hopeful as he's closer to finding out what happened to Mike than ever before. April calls out to them, saying they've found some shelter, and we follow a slow, treacherous journey in the dark towards the sound of April's voice. They find an abandoned house. Of course they fucking do. What With could April... possibly go wrong? Yeah, fucking <laughs> hell. With April waving at them in the doorway. As the men approach, inside the house, behind April, a dark figure quickly moves across the screen. The group explore the building and find traces of old fires, makeshift bandages and clothing. As they move through the house, they hear indiscernible whispers in their heads. They begin to shout over the top of the whispers, trying to communicate with each other. The camera we're viewing through is dropped as Randy grabs his ears. We see glimpses of a Wendigo-type figure moving between the group, still clutching at their skulls. The camera cuts to black. End of the movie. Job done. Oh. Told you it was a short pitch, everybody. That was, <laughs> that's your lot, I'm afraid. No, there, there is a bit more, I promise. Our view picks up back in the camera, showing each member of the team facing a corner of the room. A whispered voice asks, Why are you here? How did you find us? Marty responds, explaining that he's looking for his brother, Mike. The name resonates with the cameraman, whoever's wielding the camera at this point. He continues to whisper, Mike, 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 before stopping abruptly when Marty begins to turn to look at his captor. A powerful, terrifying voice puts him back in his place with, Don't turn around. The previously dull handprints on the walls glow white as his voice speaks. Marty explains who he is, who the rest of the group are, and asks the inverted commas cameraman who they are. The voices of Heather, Mike, and Josh echo around the room. Randy also hears these voices and says, Josh? You're, you're Josh, right? The camera is suddenly dropped, but remains rolling, framing a disheveled Josh as he wails, clutching his head. He's covered in old, dirty clothes and animal fur and has adorned antlers atop his head. Creepy. Returning as Josh, Josh Leonard. I figured that, yeah, yeah. Secret, secret returning cast, as I like to think. <laughs> yes. As Josh's screams grow louder, 
the wooden stick figure symbol and handprints covering the walls begin to glow brightly, blinding everyone present and the camera. A woman's face flashes across the white screen and silences everything. A thin voice pierces through. Don't look. Stay there. Kill them. Josh begins to mumble in response, answering questions that aren't being asked. Marty and Randy try to rush Josh, shoving him to the floor in front of the camera. His face looks lost and terrified. Marty falls to the floor next to Josh, his ankle giving way again. He screams, Where's Mike? Where's my brother? Rolling Josh over and punching him each time he asks a question. April screams and Randy tries to comfort her. As we watch this scene unfold, black handprints creep across the wall behind them. Sean leaps into shot, throwing Marty off Josh with supernatural strength. Marty smashes against the wall, leaving a trail of blood behind him. Randy tries to fight him off, but Sean is far too strong. April, making sure she doesn't look at Sean, begins slowly sneaking out of the basement. Sean doesn't seem to spot her, and continues his attack on Randy. Josh uneasily climbs to his feet, and we hear the woman's voice again. Find her. We need her. Josh snaps to an unnatural attention, and begins lurching after April as she ascends the stairs. Sean breaks Randy's neck and finally notices the camera on the floor. We see his completely white eyes as he reaches down and picks it up. The screen cracks and goes to black as Sean rushes the camera. April screams, echoing in the distance. April, we're here! Turn power! Cowabunga! Raphael arrives and fixes it all. Because he hates Kremlin. Thank you, Leonardo. Okay, um... The real leader, Michelangelo. (laughs) (laughs) So, no, I think your initial apprehension was wrong. I don't think this is the one where I go, Jesus Christ, Jack! (laughs) First of all, let's get this out of the way right from the start here. Fuck me, this is better than Book of Shadows. Yes. Well, yeah. I mean, it's yeah. a low bar, but yeah. I would also say that in 2000... just have random cuts to like, look, he's in a psychiatric hospital for no reason. <laughs> look, they're all having sex for no reason. Yeah. In, in 2004, this is going to be a, I think, relatively, if not very well-received film, especially by the public. Some people will turn around and say, this is what I wanted from the first Blair Witch Project. Mm. I wanted this. Um, I'm going to ask a question because I'm pretty sure... Yes, okay. This is not a found footage film. This is not a POV film. This is just shot normally, effectively. But it there has, are moments it has of both. it. Yes, yes exactly. Correct. That's why I yes. Yes, yes, okay. mm. So that that's that's fair. Because I think that has the element of familiarity along with <coughs> separation from the thing. Um my only real major critique um is one I don't think there's a lot you could do, um, and that is that, as with the 2016 Blair Witch film, which we've established isn't actually that bad at all, it retreads the ground of the first one. But admittedly, the first one is so distinct in what it is, and also, let's face it, very limited in what it is, unless you're doing a prequel style, you know, we're going to show the story of these people and, and, and a new witch or something like that and new crimes committed by said witch. Unless you're going down that road specifically or you're doing something like Blair Witch 2 trying to do, you're going to end up doing 
frankly, another Blair Witch. More of the same kind yeah. of thing. Yeah. And as we've established, I, 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 I'm using this example, as we've established from The Force Awakens, it's like, oh, it's just a new hope. It's like, yeah, but it's fucking fun. You can actually go into this thing <laughs> and think, oh yeah, I do like this. I like what you've done here. It so um, I think it's it sounds very strong to me. I think it's very interesting. I think you've tied it in. I see, and again, you've 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 drawn things from the 2016 blow, which about the whole familial link with um, mm -hmm. the two brothers. That makes complete sense. Yeah, um, my thinking was to kind of bridge the gap between yeah. 1999 and 2016. I have taken some elements from the game there as well, so they're. The mm, Wendigo-like mm. figure is basically the carver from the game that I mentioned earlier, ah. which is yeah when he goes insane and covers himself in mud and all that kind of sure. the moment where he, like he looks in the the puddle on the floor and oh my god it's his face all along and all this kind of stuff yeah um but that was just kind of a brief inspiration for of tying course, into course. folklore and mythology and having you know Josh be the survivor from the first one yes um that actually came from a very common fan theory that mm. Josh is the killer all along and all this kind of stuff. Um, I don't necessarily it's been disproven and been debunked and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, of course. But of course. I like the idea that tying into the Rustin Parr stuff, that there's a possession element here. She is not a big gangly alien looking motherfucker no, 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 around no. the house. It's more of a she trick she's a Loki, she tricks, she mm. mis tells truths, she whispers puppet in your strings. ear. Exactly, yeah. Puppet exactly. Hence the little dolls and the, the wooden figures and all that kind of yes, stuff. Yes, exactly, exactly. Yeah, so the fact that she's able to essentially control Josh and then eventually control Sean and, and turn him against the others, for want a better phrase, um, yeah, was my plan mm, there, yeah, yeah. essentially. I really, I really like the pitch. My only concern are about casting and director. I actually would agree, because I was going to come with that as well. Because I think, I think casting, like, I like that cast, but I don't know if they're right for this film. Mm. Because I think... I was being a bit silly, I will. Yeah. No, no, no. no. I, <laughs> I wasn't I taking think... this deadly seriously. Like, yeah. I need to find the right person to be like, Seth Green's going to be a killer, sure. What you've done is what the <laughs> studio would do. They're like, these people are good, they're that safe. Is, that Get is them. an insult, man. That is, that, sorry, yes, considering the artist's that, artisan, my apology. That, right. that is a cardinal sorry, sin in sorry, these yeah. hallowed grounds. No. What I mean to say is, what's going to make money? Who can we rely on? What's a safe pair of hands? Who's recognisable? Matthew Lillard, that's him. Seriously, that's the thing. It's like, who can we get from things that have been successful, like Urban Legend and I Know What You Did Last Summer and Scream mm. and stuff? And like, yeah, these fuckers, problem solved. So, uh, and I don't think that's necessarily, or like, even like, Oh yeah, Seth Green's in Idle Hands. He was quite creepy in that. Mm. That it, it, there's lots of things that you can definitely see, but the unnerving, quiet tension of this film, I feel like, would be better suited to a, I don't know, a smaller low key unit or something. Mm. I, I don't know if you have. Do you have any thoughts, Tim, in terms of actual people? Part of it is a problem of the era that this is being made in, mm. and the like early 2000s aesthetic that tended to be in horror. Mm. I think you need something a bit grittier and grimier to, because I think um, jumping from something that was shot on like 16 millimeter mm. uh, and is all uh, found footage. Like, I don't think you necessarily need to do all found footage again. 
um, because I think you you do start to strain credulity that, at a certain yeah, point. Yeah, that was a conscious decision of mine to not do yeah, that because yeah, you were just like, retreading that ground too much. But I think I think you need an an uh, a director and possibly to I, I'm not sure you know cinematographer or whatever but yeah. you need someone who's going to find a middle ground be between the kind of sheen that a lot of the films that had at this time and mm. you know i think i when i think of of um scream it's a very polished production and it has that very kind of mtv look to it um i think that like the cast potentially you could keep if if you change that aesthetic because i think with a different director, you could bring out a just much more grounded, realistic look to the film, yeah. and hopefully, yeah. like the performances would follow, and you might get something like actually really interesting where you're going like, oh, like these these like you know we're used to Seth Green being you know Hollywood funny guy, he, oh he's Scott Evil is like oh no like he really mm. it's like this weird like fucked up figure in this film who's like going through some shit, um, but I think I think you need a director who's more focused on that than Craven necessarily would be. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, um, I can totally see that. I mean, like I said, Wes Craven wasn't like a oh, I fucking nailed this kind of pick. Sometimes I get that with the directors and mm -hmm. I come through in a pitch and you're just like, this is exactly who I need. This is the one. I mm -hmm. mentioned in my Transformers one was like, Justin fucking Lin does yeah. Transformers. Yeah, Obviously yeah. he does. He's Great the show. Fast and Furious guy. All this kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. And it all kind of clicks into place. But my thinking is that like as brief as my pitch is, I maybe extend it out a little bit and have. It's, it's kind of like a. Again, I'm going to want to like wank myself off a bit too much, but like a <laughs> deconstruction of that 2000s thing where you start off pretty clean and like, mm. oh, mm -hmm. it's, it's fucking Matthew Lillard and David Arquette. Of course yeah. it is. Mm. Oh, they're silly. Like like you said, Matt, like the typical 2000s yeah. stoner conspiracy theorist guys or whatever. And that sheen is. is chipped away at throughout the course of the next sort of half an hour 40 minutes or so mm -hmm. as they go further into the woods and you're like oh, oh oh it's about to kick off oh no they found the van mm -hmm. and it teases that little moment and then you're brought back to the like no everything's fine mm -hmm. and then as mm -hmm. soon as sean has that kind of dream and they go in later and maybe extend it a couple of nights as mm -hmm. well because it's only this picture only has a yeah. couple of nights in there Draw, draw the maybe, tension out a little bit more. And, yeah, maybe yeah. have a longer period in the middle there before shit really hits the fan. But then you kind of, it kind of devolves into creepier, grimier, weirder shit mm. from the kind of sheen of the first one. But then, like mm. you said, maybe Craven isn't the right guy for that. I think he would work for the, certainly the opening half. Mm. But then, yeah, once like you said, once it gets a bit grimier and a bit weirder, mm. then maybe not. But um, I'm going to yeah. throw a name out there. Oh, here we go. I'm intrigued. Um, it would be, it would probably mean you would have to make it a little earlier, but you could delay the release to two thousand and four. Just that's because fine. That's, that's he has he has a matter. film in two thousand and five that I don't I don't want to fuck up. Uh, <laughs> okay. But uh, Neil Marshall. Oh yeah, Ooh, yeah, I can see you yeah. now. In between Dog Soldiers and The Descent. Yes. Mm. Yeah, I'm not having you take away the descent, <laughs> but that makes actually <laughs> a lot of sense. We talked about descent yeah. on a previous episode as well. Mm. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, I, I have two very weird suggestions. Uh, Neil Marshall's a good one. I don't disagree with that at all. And the uh, Dog Soldiers was big enough. Like, oh shit, cool shit happens in the woods. Mm. Looks really grimy. Great, and that would work. Yeah, that could work. Um, 
Mine are a little bit odd. On the one hand, I'm going to go with a name no one's heard and then a name that some people have heard. There is a guy Hollywood called... director. <laughs> <laughs> Almost. No. Um, I wonder if you go with Joe Chappelle. So people might not know Joe Chappelle, but in the horror community, people do know Joe Chappelle. He has sort of two or three different... He's not a good or bad director. He's done tons of fucking TV with CSI and things like that, The Wire, but... And I think the... Twilight. I know him from, from Fringe and The Wire. Is yeah, by that name there we rings go. A bell. Mm. Yeah. He did Halloween, The Curse of Michael Myers in 95. Not great. He did Hellraiser Bloodline. And most importantly, where I'm getting this from, he did Phantoms in 98 with... Um, Affleck, who was the bomb in Phantoms? He yeah. was the bomb. He Phantoms. was the bomb in Phantoms. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but I think he actually—he's actually quite interesting, and he's—he he has that old world Hollywood Craven-esque thing of like, I've done a Hellraiser, I've done a Halloween, I can do your classic mm. horror. But he's also done like creepy, eerie, unsettling. I think Phantoms is actually genuinely quite—it's not a bad film. It's not. Good, it got panned but, though, right? Famously, yeah, it was fucking universal yeah. shit, but. Let's face it, this is the kind of film where you attach someone to it and it's like, it's a Blair Witch 2. Yeah, just get somebody on board. He's just someone I think they could throw it at and he could do something very interesting with, in my opinion. Um, especially this kind of movie where it's like, well, what are the stakes? What are we doing? It's like, well, do this, but more up the creepy, up the visuals, make it unsettling. And it's like, yeah, I can do that. Don't add any fucking weird CGI shit. Yeah, okay, fine, no problem at all. I also have the, the sort of history of like uh, in-camera blood effects kind of things like that, and I can, mm. I can do that body horror. Great. I think he's an interesting suggestion. Um, my other suggestion... Uh, uh-oh. Matt's doing the face. I'm doing a face. My other suggestion, people are going to hear this and immediately have an association, and I'll explain why I've chosen this bloke. Um, M. Night Shyamalan M. Night Shyamalan because the twist is I was the ghost all along uh, no my suggestion is because the director in questions only had his directorial debut the prior year as in mm. 2003 but he's got a very quick turnaround so he'll probably do this and also I don't want him to mess up a 2005 film that I really like <laughs> talking about Rob Zombie Oh, interesting. Ooh. Because he likes his visceral shit. He likes his creepy he shit. He does like and his horror he stuff. he yeah. loves, and most importantly, he loves his Americana. He yeah, loves his, what is the impact of the creepy folklore, the sort of like unsettling uh, effect of things on Americans' subconscious. If, if we're going 2004, this yep. is between House of a Thousand Corpses and Devil's Rejects, right? Precisely. Yeah, interesting. And again, he—I think he's the kind of guy who could give this kind of. Uh, uh, people might go, "Oh, fuck off!" But Halloween, his—I think his remake of Halloween is actually pretty fucking good. I—I I like his version of Halloween. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I think things like Lords of Salem and Thirty One are a bit silly and stupid, and that's fine. Um, but um, and then the Haunted World of El Superbisto. Um, <laughs> but he—he's—he's he's genuinely interesting, and th- Three from Hell is. Pretty good. House of Thousand Corpses, I enjoy. The Devil's Rejects, I really fucking like. I, I really find like that Devil's really Rejects. really unnerving. Yeah. That's really tough. And again, the man is really drawn and in the greatest by... use of Freebird in any <laughs> film ever. <obviously. laughs> I would agree. I would agree. Yeah. But it's it's very yeah. much that idea of 
what does it mean to be Americana in America in the wilderness? You know, this idea of just in the desert or in this case, the woods. It's just how does that affect the psyche of our country in, in his eyes and that kind of thing? It, that's that's definitely a theme I wanted to play on because I think it's yeah. a theme they don't particularly explore in the first one. When they're hanging out with all the bumpkins and stuff, it's sort of like, ah, oh, silly bumpkins. Mm. And there's a, I, w- I would hope there's a pretty clear city versus country kind of divide in my oh, film yeah. when there's yeah. a theme there with, with the two news teams and stuff. And that would definitely be something I'd play on in terms of like, open in your mind too much your brain will fall out kind of thing <laughs> yeah. where you know that there, there's some people are you know right about weird shit happening and there are killers out in the woods and all this kind of stuff in certain places mm. a bunch of that is conspiracy theory not a mythological cryptozoological mm. bollocks mm. and finding like what's real and what's not and all that kind of stuff i think Weirdly enough, Rob Zombie might be a good choice. Yeah, I'm not gonna lie. Though we would have a soundtrack full of new metal. (laughs) No, not in his stuff. Usually, it's really creepy, unnerving. It tends to be twangy, like uh, country music, to make it even more terrifying. Yeah, but he might still have a thing on the, you know, the credits roll. It's like, (laughs) (laughs) but the cast would definitely go. He would definitely bring in Sherry Moon Zombie, Bill Mosley, Sid Haig, Richard Brake, (laughs) Danny fucking Trejo, or something like that. All the usual lot. Yeah, Yeah, he would bring in the Grindhouse motherfuckers. And I think, to be honest with you, Grindhouse people might be the way to go with it. Um, The studio would fight you on it, but I think. To give it that, in the same way that when they did the remake of Night of the Living Dead uh, by Savini, um, they brought in a lot of people like that, like like, like Tony Todd came in, for example. Um, and um, I think Bill Mosley's in that as well, now I think about it. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's kind of the point. I think, I think by that, in that way, it feels, again, that nature of being, I mentioned about the horror, gothic horror being uh found footage and the idea of diary entries and journals mm. and that kind of stuff it's familiar but not and the way of going like with like oh it's i've seen that guy before somewhere i don't know where in some other sort of schlocky b movie kind of thing about the weirdness of america um but that's just my opinion obviously i don't, I don't it's it's uh... it sounds like a very different film but i can see it working mm. yeah i have i have one last suggestion I, I, I like the I like the idea of the Rob Zombie one actually. Ron Howard. Um, but uh Safe pair of hands, that's what we need for Booker Safe and Ron Howard. Yeah. <laughs> Safe hands uh, Howard. For the the idea of kind of that that going for the, the initial like slickness and then having it be pulled away. Yeah. Um and this director's only done one horror film really. Uh, sure. But it's a but we it's keep a coming up in these like he's only done one film he's only done one horror film <laughs> yeah oh no this yeah. this person's a lot more prolific but uh oh, they're okay. in a bit they're in a bit of a fallow period before they come back mm. in a major way okay around this time uh Catherine Bigelow oh fuck me that's interesting. we've brought up Catherine Bigelow a few times before haven't we, we have yeah. she's interesting yeah because obviously um, the way that the Hurt Locker is shot for example is very gritty and grungy mm. and down and things and obviously near dark and. Yeah, near near dark is what I was thinking of as as where it ends up, but then you have it start out more like Point Break. <laughs> yeah, sure, that makes um, sense. And so this like is between K nineteen, the Widowmaker. Yeah, yes, and the Hurt Locker. So yeah, that, yeah, there's there's certainly room there. That yeah. would stick. Also, you could probably make the cast work. I think with that, mm. interesting, very interesting. Ooh, she like she'd probably want to do like more it. about like 
masculinity and stuff like that in there. That's pull, pull out some of those me. themes, but uh, <laughs> yeah, I think yeah, no, but I think I think it's it's interest like the fact that you've got this really solid pitch that we can kind of attach these different directors to yeah. and, and imagine it's a template that works and shifts with it. Yeah. yeah. Mm. Um, whereas the original Book of Shadows was just a big steaming pile of of, yeah. of doo doo. A very bold concept, weirdly unsupported and badly executed and blah, 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 blah. Bit of a mm. fucking shit show all over. We don't recommend you seek it out. Um, it's full of so many things that are, are, are like music video and TV tropes in the, the late 2000s. Mm. And it looks also, aged. Also, it's fucking repetitive. Oh, God, like, it is. It, not a lot happens and it takes a long time for it like but not in the way not in the way of the the slowly assembling creeping dread of the original blair witch yep. it's just weird shit keeps happening but it's not particularly frightening and it keeps happening it's like oh here's a spooky girl she's walking backwards okay five minutes later oh here's a spooky girl she's walking backwards <laughs> wasn't scary yep. the first time it's not scary yeah. the no, second time. noticed i yeah Cut out a bunch of that shit in my synopsis. Oh, yes. Because <laughs> it is just the same thing over and over again. Eating an oh, owl! Look, he's, in a, he's in a psychiatric hospital. Actually, the eating he's of an owl is still a, in a psychiatric That's a reference to something, isn't it, I think? It is, yeah. I remember oh, I saw it? this in a video. Yeah, come on, it was. Again, trying to be much more clever, and that's fine, but if your baseline surface isn't good <laughs> enough, all the subtext means nothing. Yeah. Um, whereas, again, just to draw it back to your pitch, for example... Mm. It, it's gonna feel familiar to the audience. Like you'll be get people saying that's the same thing again. It's like, yeah, but we're doing it differently, and there's a bit of a twist on it, and it explains more. It shows mm -hmm. a bit more. I think people must say some some people will come out of the gate and say this is a better sequel than the sorry, this is better than the original. Effectively, this mm -hmm. is what we should have got in the first place. One was like a a sort of low budget student film pitch that's made into this movie. I think that's mm -hmm. how it would be interpreted, and that's not necessarily a bad thing. I really like that you you do see more of what goes like what's happening in the house and, and kind of what, what happens to the people and stuff like that, but you still don't explain it. Yes. Yes. There's that, like that was a key little... to me that, like I said, that's the balance between the original and the 2016. Mm -hmm. Cause I think the 2016 does too much and you see a big gangly witch and it's clearly a fucking witch. <laughs> Whereas this one is again, I don't think the game is good and I don't think it understands its themes properly, but mm -hmm. Have he has Josh just gone mad from seeing his friends mm. die and go mad and starving out in the wilderness for years? Is he possessed? We hear all the voices and stuff. Is that just all in his head? All that kind of stuff. Mm. But there's probably something supernatural. And then Sean does the thing with the supernatural speed, uh, yeah. supernatural strength. Sorry, and I'm like, aha, there's a little thing there. But again, mm. like you said, purposefully not explained. Yeah, it will show stuff, but it won't show everything. It's still on the yeah. frame on the fringe. Yeah, mm. I like it. It's good. Good work, man. Yeah, good work. Cool. That, that was one of the ones I was worried about, so that's good. This is a very difficult job. I know we have a lot of fun with this, and it's literally the idea of, like, you know, what it's like. We've been having these conversations respectively as friends and, and just, mm. you know, with other people as well in pubs and, and parties for, like, years. You know what would have been a really good way to fix that film? You know, this is what <laughs> makes this sort of format uh relatable shall we say but when you get down to brass tacks and get to the actual reality of it it becomes really fucking difficult and you're like well no and people say oh it'd be great if this happened it's like 
And no one wants to be the fucking guy at the party, except for me, obviously, who turns up and says, well, actually, you can't do that because they're involved in this movie at the time and they were in a legal dispute on the contract. So it's definitely not going to show that person in this film, are they? And also that director, a little bit inappropriate because he murdered his own wife. What the fuck? That kind <laughs> of shit. Um, but it is a tricky thing. And I, I get Jack's apprehension. The idea like, fuck, I'm really not sure if I've gone off, off the wall with this. But I think, you've, yeah, you, you, you've, you've sold it to us well, dude. Worry not. Good. That's good to know. I guess we'll see what the listeners and what former executive producer Stuart Main, who picked this film, mm. has to say about it when it hits the airwaves and the discords and the whatnot. I'll be curious <laughs> if, again, I, again, I'm just still sort of reeling from the fact that you guys hadn't seen this movie, as in the, the Blair Witch Project. So I'm mm. curious to see how many of our listeners are like, oh, I know that movie inside out. Never seen it. Um especially for age demographic stuff. I'd be I'm curious to see what people say, not only of Jack's fix, but also their thoughts on the original and things. Cause some people just go, I fucking hate it. I couldn't say anything. It's blurry as shit. <laughs> and other people are like, it's a definitive moment in my film watching experience from mm. childhood or whatever. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Very interesting. Very interesting. Well, if you have any strong opinions, I doubt anybody has strong opinions for Book of Shadows, Blair Witch 2, but always if you have one. strong opinions about, and there is always one, if you have any strong opinions about my pitch about the original film and you can't believe the fact that Tim and I hadn't seen it until 2021, <laughs> you can contact us on social media. We are sequelizers on everything. Have a look in your little podcast app. You can see how it's spelt. There'll be links for Twitter and Instagram and all that stuff at sequelizers. Dot com, which is the place to go for all the links to Patreon, to Discord, to the shop, where we've got some cool new merch, we've got some posters, we've got some t-shirts. It's all being launched and printed and merged at the moment. We've got new stuff coming to the shop, and we're working on some other stuff as well. We've got, got some other merch we're working on as well, as well as links to all the podcast platforms. So if you uh, subscribe to us on Spotify or Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts or whatever, you can find it all there. Leave us a little five-star review if you wouldn't mind. We'd very much appreciate that. It helps us share out to the rest of the community and help people find us on those platforms who haven't already heard the show as well. If you want to have a go at me directly and saying, I ruined your beloved Blair Witch franchise, I am JLW Chambers on all the social medias. Matt, how about you? Stogs, S-T-O-G-H-Z, on all the social medias. You can go to theredrighthand.co.uk and read my reviews. You can go to cheeseman.com and see the things that I make. Tim, if you were haunting the woods, how would we know you were there and to keep away? What would you do? Uh, you you would find me in the woods by following the, the distant sound of uh, dice being rolled uh, <laughs> and and someone shuffling downstairs at three in the morning to get a glass of water uh but if you want to find me in a much easier way you can go to twitter uh trivia underscore lad is my profile there and i share all the interesting things that i do uh which happen you know few and far between but uh other times (laughs) i'm just retweeting funny stuff so you know follow me there oh god well thank you much for listening everybody we will see you next week and i say this every every week because it's kind of true for something completely different so different it's but, very different however yeah however and i was aware of this we have hinted at the next episode during this episode because i did a little sneaky thing 
we've we've been teasing episodes the whole time. You don't even know. We it's have. Like, yeah, yeah. yeah. Look behind you. That's where the teaser is. <laughs> so yeah, there was there is a there is a tie to this film, my pitch specifically, mm. and next week's episode. Can mm. you work it out, as listeners? I'm sure the Discord will probably work it out in like 10 seconds because they always do. Meet us in the woods and let us know. We won't be there. We're not fucking stupid. See you in the woods. Thank you for listening. (laughs) 